gentlemen, the show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. He'll be fine on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barnumidium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chief Sports Network. Juice Wells, all the way, touchdown Gamecocks. Pressure, Curly just dives in. All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Signorama Studios, the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics and built by the Barndo Code, the barndominiumcode.com, where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot if you live in the Carolinas, in Georgia, or in Tennessee. We, of course, are served by Chicken Cock, and it is the weekend, and we can't wait to get our hands on it, that's for sure. I saw it looking so lonely on the shelf just a little while ago. Not much longer, though. Chicken Cock Whiskey, you can find it in the Chief Sports app near you, the Chicken Cock Challenge. Just click the button and click the Find Near Me button, and there you go. Have yourself a fine and dandy time. As college football has returned for another weekend here, this fall, it is the final weekend in October. It is Friday, and we are dressed to impress, thanks to our friends at Britons of Columbia, all of us today looking snazzy and uh, fired up and ready to go, feeling very comfortable. These are the best shirts that you could possibly find from a comfort standpoint, and really, uh, from a look standpoint, too. They are so unique, and we are so thankful for, to uh, Perry and all the folks at Britons up in Columbia. Coming up today on the program, Michael Flint will join us at noon as he does on Fridays to preview this weekend's game between Texas A&M and South Carolina in College Station. We'll also be joined today at 120 by former offensive lineman John Strickland, a great guy, good friend, and an avid Gamecock, and he will tell us in his version and view of what in the world has been happening with this offensive line this week will be the eighth uh-huh eighth different starting lineup for South Carolina's OL in eight games consistency has not been there for a multitude of reasons certainly part of what we will discuss we will make our picks later on in the game as well we'll take a quick drive around the SEC we'll give you the injury report bunches of interesting news notes and nuggets on the game, and so on and so forth. JC, JB, and Phil, we're here until 2 o'clock. And good to see both of my dear friends alive and well on this Friday morning. Oh, yeah. We're alive. Well, 
Twins. Twinsies. Yeah, that's right. Phil and I today with the, the, the traditional cocky. Uh, I've been I've been rocking that big spur and that tailgater shirt uh, more than this one, but uh, I, I love like them all. I love all three of them. You know, I love JB's shirt too, and he's right; they fit well and they make you look good too. I mean, I, I really look a lot worse when I don't have a shirt like this on. So uh, I'm feeling snazzy going to a high school football playoff game tonight here in all Illinois. Right. Nice. Yeah, the Moose got called up to varsity. So for the, you know, they call them up the varsity for playoffs. So. Mm-hmm. Playoffs. So we're, we're going to this place called Maine South up near Rosemont, uh, which is those of you that used to watch college basketball on CBS in the 80s and 90s. You remember DePaul played at the Rosemont Horizon Arena. Um, that's oh. a suburb of Chicago near O'Hare. It's, uh, it's got a lot of dining and shops, a casino. Lots of lots of fun stuff in Rosemont, but uh, we're uh, I took Nat to work this morning. I'm going by and snagging her. We're gonna go get us a steak and go watch watch the playoff game. I, I doubt he gets to the game, but uh, it's special the first time you play varsity football. I think so. Uh, I think that's pretty awesome. So uh, yeah, that's that's my world today, and uh, you know, just kind of going through this game in my head. Um, yeah, it's it's a tough matchup. Uh, it's, it's out there. That doesn't help. I don't think it would help if it were in Columbia either. Although this team seems to play a lot better at home on offense. Uh, South Carolina is going to have to play a really good football game and hope that Texas A&M does not, uh, tomorrow. Cause I, Texas A&M at their best, uh, it's just a, it's a domination on the lines of scrimmage, especially with what they're dealing with. I'm looking forward to seeing like exactly what the lineup is because we've, we've never really been told big tree is out. We've never been t- really told Trevon Ball is out. Uh, we were told that Case and Henry was questionable today. So, uh, and, and of course, we know what is said is not always what happens. There's always some gamesmanship that happens there. Uh, I do think Xavier Leggett will play. Um, I'm pretty sure that's going to happen, uh, and that helps. You know, that helps the passing game uh, as long as you can protect a little bit. You know, Spencer will find him. Spencer's pretty good at avoiding pressure and stuff. Uh, you know, and then South Carolina's defense. This is this is not a high powered A and M offense. It's a, it's an offense that's very talented, mm-hmm. but they had they don't exactly go up and down the field on people. So we will see what happens. Um, I think it's advantageous to not have it at night in that environment. I think that environment's usually pretty loud, regardless. Uh, but you know, it's first time they've been out there at noon since. Uh, uh, the 2015 game, which we talk about with Perry Orth all the time because of his infamous run in that ball game. And that was a ball game Carolina almost had him. You know, two out of the four meetings in College Station, Carolina could have won. You know, uh, the, the 17 game was probably the most egregious. I couldn't believe that when Jake Bentley's dialing it up, probably that stretch was was one of the best of his career in that first half. And they get the ball back up 17-7 in the third, eight minutes to go. You have a chance at that point, because AM was struggling coming into the game. You have a chance at that point for the stadium to start to clear out. If you go score there, uh, and Kurt Roper or, or whoever, whoever decided, I mean, it may have been an RPO and Jake was trying to make the right read or whatever. They just kind of took the air out of the ball. And uh you know, you saw what happened. They came back and won. The other two were blowouts. 2019 was close uh, for a while, 13-3 in the fourth quarter, and a and pulls away at the end. And then 
of course, uh, Shane's one matchup out there in 2021 was just a, a bloodbath. Uh, I think the positive thing that came out of it was Jason Brown got put in the, in, in the lineup, went down through two touchdown passes. I think that gave him a lot of confidence to go back in uh, and beat Florida the next week and beat Auburn you know, a couple of weeks ago. So if, if there was a silver lining in that one, it was that one. So, you know, uh, first time for everything. Uh, Mississippi State was awful on defense most of the year. And all of a sudden they go in and Arkansas had its head shoved up its backside. Uh, and Mississippi State won, what, 7-3 to three last week? You never know. You never know. But, uh, you know, as far as this one goes, the Gamecocks, uh, they just got to go play, try to play their best game and uh, let the chips fall where they may and then look forward to the grind to the Gasparilla starting in, uh, starting in November. Well, it'll start tonight if they want to get there. Uh, tomorrow night if they want to get there. The Gamecocks at two and five, one and four in the league at uh, Texas A&M, who is four and three, two and two in the SEC. It's a noon kick tomorrow from Kyle Field, which seats one hundred and two thousand seven hundred and thirty-three folks in College Station, Texas. It will be nationally televised on ESPN. Mark Jones, Lewis Riddick, and Quint Kessenich. We'll have the call on TV. Todd, Tommy, and Chet Tucker will have it on the Gamecock Sports Network. It will also be on Sirius XM Channel 134 or Channel 191. A Gamecock win over the Aggies would give them back-to-back wins over Texas A&M after dropping the first eight games of the series dating back to 2014 when the SEC Network debuted. Ninth-ranked South Carolina was throttled by Kenny Hill and Texas A&M inside of Williams-Price Stadium that evening. It would also give the Gamecocks their first true road win of the 2023 season. They, of course, have dropped games at number one, Georgia, number 21, Tennessee, and now number 20, Missouri. After last week's loss, they also have lost in Charlotte against number 21, North Carolina. And lastly, it would give Carolina their first win in the Lone Star State since 1950. Seven pop quiz. The Gamecocks are four and twelve all time against teams from the state of Texas. They only have a winning record versus one of them. Can either of you guess? Who Absolutely, that is? Texas. That game was in Austin at fifty-seven, and it was a ninety-something yard. The only score, I think, it was seven nothing. Only score was like a ninety-something yard kickoff return by one King Dixon. That's who right. would come on to be the athlete, go on to be the athletic director at Carolina, the, the infamous athletic director at Carolina. Um, although King's a great gamecock, and yes, uh, you, you know, people he was bad at hiring coaches, bad at process, bad at leadership as far as leadership in the athletic department, which was surprising for a military man like himself. But I thought he did a good job behind the scenes going into the SEC as far as dealing with the SEC and stuff at the time. Not that the SEC would have rescinded the invitation or anything, um, but, you know, King gets a bad rap, but he passed away recently, I think in the last few years. But uh, always a great Gamecock. And, you know, the, the old school Gamecocks that remember that game, uh, and there are not that many left, uh, always hold him in high regard. And that was, yeah, South Carolina, if you, like, total up their record against, like, if you, if you count Ohio State, Michigan, and Texas, and Southern Cal, the Gamecocks have a stellar record against those teams. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're like three and one against Michigan. Four is it three and one or four and one against Michigan? Three and one against Michigan. Um, two and zero against Ohio State. One and zero against Texas, and I think one and one against Southern Cal. So like seven and two uh, against uh, <laughs> those powerhouse football teams from across the country. Yeah, the rest of the records against teams from the state of Texas after you the aforementioned one and zero against the Longhorns. Although that record is about to change significantly uh, as Texas now enters the league, they are one and two versus both Baylor and Houston. And the big dagger is the one against the team they played this weekend, just one and eight versus A and M, uh, with eight straight losses after Texas A and M jumped into the SEC uh, less than a decade or about a decade ago, uh, or so. But uh, Carolina trying to put a two next to that if they can uh, going into the weekend. It's certainly going to be it right now. The the line has stretched itself to fifteen and a half, so the money coming in on the Aggies kind of expected. Uh, that it would. We'll get uh, plenty more into the ball game over the next two hours and 46 minutes. Again, both Michael Flint and John Strickland will be joining us here today. Uh, last night in college football, uh, Virginia Tech beat the you-know-what out of Syracuse 38-10, to and the same thing happened in Statesboro, Georgia, where Georgia Southern put it on Sean Elliott in Georgia State and the Panthers 44 44- to 27, wiping some of the shine off of next week's big game in Atlanta between Georgia State and potentially still undefeated James Madison if they can get through Old Dominion coming up tomorrow. Um, the Syracuse-Virginia Tech game, hats off to Brent Pry, by the way, who's kind of got Tech going right now. They're 3-1 and one in the league, and they're 4-4 four and four overall, and then they looked really, really good last night. They feel like they finally found a quarterback. The other side of that are the Orange. Uh, at four and four, zero oh and four in the ACC, and it's been a tale of two years. Quickly, they started out four and zero. Oh, they got beat by Clemson, thirty-one to fourteen, and they have really looked like pure and stinky total dog poo since. Forty to seven losses at North Carolina, forty-one to three loss at Florida State, and now a thirty-eight to ten loss on the road to Virginia Tech. That is a tough road to hoe. Four straight league games with Clemson being your first one at home and then three straight on the road, including two top 15 opponents in North Carolina and Florida State, and now an emerging Hokies program. So that's a tough road, but they have really stunk it up in and there as well. And you got to wonder about Dino Babers and his future. This happens every year in Syracuse, New York. They start out, they get some wins. Everybody thinks they're going to be okay. And then they go straight into the toilet. And by the end of the season, they're trying to figure out if they can get to a bowl game or not. Dino Babers had some opportunities to stretch him, stretch his career out a few years ago and go to other places. Not so sure those opportunities will present themselves this time around. I know a little bit about his situation up there. Let's just say I, I don't think he cares. I, I think he's going to – if he gets fired, he's just going to get balled out and go to the beach or something, maybe be an offensive coordinator somewhere. Uh, I think their fundamental problem, guys, is they, they with Garrett Schrader and kind of – they got away from what they were doing on offense. You know, Dino Babers is a is a air raid guy from back in the in the you know the air raid coaching tree. Uh, he was at Eastern Illinois uh, for a while, coached for Art Briles, uh, that kind of guy, and that's how they started. And uh, that's not how they have continued. Uh, he kind of uh, has gone back and forth with his offense. 
uh, their defense. I think once they start getting stuff going, they lose guys in the portal. Um, it's a tough job, no doubt, but he could have been better. And I think uh, a lot of it's on him. You know, you don't deviate from who you are, uh, you know, especially when you're having some success. Uh, I don't think he works particularly hard in recruiting to go get guys. I think he's a guy that likes to golf and enjoy his life. And, and you know, these days, you know, you have, you have to be a hell of a football coach uh, to uh, – and, and I'm not even saying it's about finding balance. I'm saying it's just like to straight up not try and leave everything to your assistants. Uh, and I have a little inside scoop on that. So uh, I don't feel sorry for him if he gets fired, uh, you know, and, and, and I think Syracuse still has, you know, for the right, the right person goes in there, they're going to, they're going to be okay, you know, but uh, they got to get the right guy. Uh, and I don't know who that is. And it may not be this coat, maybe, maybe, maybe a while to, I mean, you're talking about a school that Marvin Harrison, Donovan McNabb, Jim Brown, I mean, it's not like they've never been good, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, they need to they need to get on. Yeah, if they had Lenora Sellers right now, see, here's the here's the the stupidity of it. Let's say they had gotten Lenora Sellers, he probably wouldn't be playing, <laughs> and they'd still be getting their ass whipped. So that's uh, and nothing, and it wouldn't be because of him, you know, that he wasn't playing. It's, it's because they just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, and obviously this is an inside the orange podcast. So I'm not going to sit here and continue to rip on him, but he's literally one of the most disappointing and overrated coaches I've ever seen. Yeah. It's a pretty, pretty, pretty bad, pretty bad. He's, he's really not done that well out there. Speaking of sellers, we do uh, understand that his brother committed to the Gamecocks yesterday. We'll let JC fill us in on that scoop mm-hmm. coming up here in just a little while. Uh, as well, uh, Tyler says, worst place I've ever lived. I would imagine so. Tyler, welcome back to the great state of South Carolina. If that's where you do live, we're glad to have you home. It is uh, Friday, October the 27th, and it is 11:20. It is time for our first time out. Michael Flint again will be here at noon today to give us his thoughts on the ball game. Carolina looking for a win, desperately trying to get their third of the year and make November look a little bit better with four straight home games following this trip to College Station. We'll dive deep into that. We'll look at the matchups and Friday night football. It's a great night. Great night for the high school kids. Lots of region championships being decided tonight all throughout the Palmetto State. So we'll give a couple of shout outs to those boys as well. Uh, We've got uh, plenty of history and injury report and all kinds of stuff to get to, including tidbits and key matchups in this game. John Strickland is set to join us today at 120 as well. It is a jam-packed program on Inside the Gamecocks. Our text line is open, 803-766-6320. If you'd like to be a part of all the fun that we have around here, 803-766-6320. And as always, make sure you've downloaded the Chief Sports app. We are driven by Love Chevrolet. I love Love Chevy. So does the whole state. That's why they've been open for so long, cutting deals for decades. Love Chevy in Columbia. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. 
And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dipsy Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Welcome to Palm Casual Patio Furniture. Because we are the factory, Palm Casual has the ability to offer the highest quality outdoor furniture paired with world-class service. Since 1979, our factory showrooms have done our best to make the buying process as easy as possible for our customers. Our understanding of the many factors that go into your decision has helped us create our 30-day trial period that increases the level of comfort our customers feel during the shopping experience. Visit us in Somerville and online at palmcasual.com. Gamecock owned and operated. Michael Campbell arrived at South Carolina in 2003 after growing up in Virginia and was dubbed the Winchester Rifle by Gamecock's great Tommy Moody in the broadcast booth. He left in 2006 a legend. A career 315 hitter and 20th round draft pick of the San Diego Padres, Campbell was first all-time in games played at bats and triples, second all-time in hits with 299 singles and total bases, third all-time in doubles, top 10 in runs scored and RBI, and he hit 31 home runs in his career for the Gamecocks. Now he's passing his knowledge to the next generation through his business, Soup's Swing Shop. If your son or daughter wants to improve their game, Soup's Swing Shop offers virtual lessons. Mike will connect with you, diagnose your swing, and create a special game plan to help improve it. Call him at 859-414-8240. Email soupsswingshop at gmail.com or find them on social media and on the Chief Sports app. Soup's Swing Shop. Play ball. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barn Doe Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock, owned and operated.
some legendary broadcasters have been around a long time here at South Carolina, including the great Bob Fulton. And now they recently passed in just magnificent Tommy Moody. I think the trait that both of those gentlemen shared is that they were genuine and fine individuals. Hats off to the voices of the Gamecocks, Bob Fulton and uh, Tommy Moody, who called Carolina baseball since Mike Morgan brought him on uh, back in 2000. So 24 seasons, 23 years. Speaking of baseball, you've probably seen a spot running in our program for one of the greats ever here at South Carolina, Michael Campbell, one of the coolest dudes you'll ever meet. Uh, he was the Virginia State Player of the Year before he attended uh, college here at South Carolina, and he was four hits shy of breaking Mac White's hits record until he went down with an injury his senior year. But, God, could he hit. Holy smokes. Uh, played in two College World Series. He was first-team All-SEC. He was the team captain his final year at 06, and now he's got soup swing shop. Much like Meredith does with golf, you can do it with baseball. If you've got your son or daughter and they're trying to improve their game, and maybe they can't hit worth a damn. He's the one who can get you to do it. Uh, if you follow, you can follow him on all the social media stuff. You can certainly, uh, he's got in his spots on our show. You can call him, you can email them. Um, but um, if you're on Instagram or YouTube or Facebook, at Soup's Swingshot. Yeah, like Campbell's Soup. Get it, Campbell, Michael Campbell, Soup Swingshot. Um, you can do virtual lessons for 50 bucks, uh, just a swing analysis. You just swing it into him. He'll do that for $40. You can do unlimited evaluations, which the, he maxes that out at four a month, not to try to rip you off with any money, but because you only need one a week. <laughs> you don't need somebody evaluating your swing every third day or something <laughs> like that. Um, so 700, listen to this. Now think about this for a second for somebody like this, who's just got it going. For seven hundred fifty dollars for a year, you can get four a month. That's twenty. That's four. That's forty-eight. Forty-eight, up to forty-eight swing evals a year from Michael Campbell. If uh, I had a kid, I'd definitely play baseball. Yeah, that's for the yeah, dance absolutely. class, I can assure you. For, for seven, you know, you, you <laughs> hey, yeah, hey, that's that's cheaper. That's that's cheaper than putting gas in my car every month. Did, did you hear that though, Jamie? There's a warning, fellow girl dad from Phil. Yeah, right? Yeah, Is, that's cheaper than dance class. Woo! Well, well, ours are in. Yeah, we know. They're, they're Time, times two, times two that's, for you too, yeah. brother. Luckily, <laughs> Hannah, Hannah hates it, so she don't want to go. Riley's like, ah, I'm out. Ah, uh, good. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so it, if you if you've got a kid or a neighbor, you get you look for a big Christmas present. I, this I'm talking about. This is Michael Campbell now, one of the best hitters we've ever seen come through this state at any level. Michael Campbell, Soup Swing Shop, really proud of him what he's built, uh, and you can do it all digitally. Uh, and um, and you'll just absolutely love it. Soup Swing Shop, if any of that went over your head, uh, you just get in touch with me, and I'll get you in touch um, with, with the great Mike Campbell, who I, hopefully is coming down for a game in November. I'd love to see him. And uh, his, by the way, he's got a left-handed son who looks just freaking like him at the plate. If he can hit anywhere near what his daddy could do, that kid is is going to play professional baseball at some point in time. So, uh, got to tell Whittle and Kingston and those guys about that guy. I'm sure he knows. So, wait a minute. Uh, yeah. I have a question. There's two soups. Yeah. Yeah. They're, well, but they, Matt was called soup at Carolina. Michael wasn't. 
Well, so, Michael was the West Westchester Long Rifle or whatever. He was the Winchester, 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 Winchester Long Rifle. Yep. Winchester, Winchester Long Rifle. Virginia. Winchester, Virginia. But yeah, uh, in, the, in the dugout, nobody called both of them soup. It, Matt Campbell was the original soup because he was there first. So I how would you that. determine which soup and soup? But I, I don't know. That's cool. Just, maybe maybe when he got maybe when Michael got the pros, they started calling him soup. But I, I don't care. Soup swing well, he, shop he sounds a lot better than food. yeah. Just not at Carolina. Just you know, not at Carolina. He, he walked into the locker room and Matt, you know, my my suit, Michael Flint's brother-in-law suit. Yeah, Matt Campbell looked at him and said, "Yeah, you don't get. Only, soup. There's only room for one of us around." He here. said, "No soup for you." And uh, <laughs> for you. My, my my breaking ball will get you out. So there ain't nothing you can do about it. You know. All and, right, uh, I was I was a little confused there. I was that, like, yeah, you know, it, it, it's a good it's it's a it's a good question. Uh, but uh, yeah, I I mean. You mean I could do this all? I could literally talk baseball all day. You know that, but you talk about a guy who could hit, and then you bring up Matt Soup, best best breaking ball I've ever seen in my life. Never seen one better. Probably will never see one like that again. There's a reason why you really can't throw anymore. I mean, it, it, when I say it fell off the table, it literally got to the end and fell off the table. I, I've never seen anything like it. Um, God, I wish we had something like that back, but. Uh, <laughs> I'm keeping on this. Nah, I don't know. I don't know enough. I, I'm not a good enough. I, I'm a terrible baseball evaluator, so I don't want to run my mouth about that. I will say there's a live-armed kid that came in from college at Charleston that I like. I don't know yeah, if what his breaking ball was like or anything like that. But yeah, uh, he's. I, I like. He's wiry. You know. Yeah, he's. They gotta they gotta fine tune him a little bit. But he's got a chance. There's there's no question. He's he'll add you know, he'll add to him. There's no yeah. So anyway, hey, Tyler, my bad dude. You're right. Tyler's my Maggie guy. He he's, he lives up there in the the Maggie Valley, Waynesville area, and um, so we probably should. Hey Tyler, matter of fact, um, since you're listening, there is a new um, pizza place in Maggie that we we were good. We were actually going to go up this weekend, and we've chosen not to now. But um, called something, and I, I keep hearing it's really good. So fill me in on that when you get a chance, because Maggie Maggie Valley is. That's 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 where I'm going one day. I'm going, and you won't be able to find me when I get there. Uh, I want to squeeze this too. All this, you know, we're not going to get into a conversation about this. I just think it's funny, and I love this guy. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna read every word he said. Um, you know, some of the morons that are out there trying to figure out how they can take this Michigan thing and twist it somehow into South Carolina and how they beat Tennessee and all this stuff. Jesus and thank thank God for my man Stephen Garcia. Um, first of all, the first thing he did was call these, these rodents, he called them bent twigs, uh, which is, I love that. He, he also informed them they have baby penines, but then he went on to say, and this is where Jason, you say this all the time, you know, man up, are you manning up, you know, quit crying, be a man about stuff. This is pretty much what he's saying. I'm going to read this. And that goes for any and everyone that is bitching about the theft of play calls, get better camouflage. Steve Spurrier ran the, ran the same blank with the same signs for decades, and people still look like Joe Biden reading a teleprompter on defense. Ask Chris Doring if I'm lying. All right? So, he's, 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 and Doring, of course, has responded and said, you know, you know, Chris, he said, yeah, I love watching Steve call plays on TV because I knew exactly what plays coming, watching the play call, and you still couldn't stop it. So, for all these people that complain about this stuff, like 
kid a life, dude. I mean, like, look, you know, yeah. like, the ultimate s- s- signal stealer, and I don't want to call him a signal stealer. I want to call him a signal studier, right? And it's well known Brent Venables was good yeah. at figuring signals at out. That's, that's why he. That's why he would wait. You'd, you'd watch him. Watch him call a defense. It was almost like him calling an offense because he'd sit there and wait, look, or, or whatever. And that's perfectly legal what Clemson was doing. I mean, it was it's or what he's doing in Oklahoma or whatever. And then a Spurrier lit him up just about every time. <laughs> I mean, he just uh, – I remember after one of the games, Brent was like, there's a long list of people who have gotten their ass kicked by that guy. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, so it, it didn't matter. And, and, and that's – and look, when you watch Tennessee-South Carolina game last year, and I'll say this, and that's it because I put it on the big spur today and I'll tell the audience this. You know, first and foremost, there's a little – you know, cabal of Tennessee Twitterers and Tennessee media, alleged alleged media, I'll say, that just hate Shane Beamer for some reason. Shane says something, they'll twist it into something it's not. They'll put it on their little blog, blah, 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 blah. And, you, you know, then you look up and see who it is. And, you know, it's it's some guy that probably I, – I won't even attack him personally. Uh, I, I probably should, but I'm not. Um, and, and those are the guys that propagate shit, stuff like this. If you watch that game, it has nothing to do with anybody knowing what was coming at all, uh, especially defensively, because Tennessee still got 500 yards and 38 yeah. points. And if you watch the game and know a damn thing about football, you know that the reason they didn't score 65 was because Hooker was off down the field. He he had some incompletions. Also, one-on-one in man coverage, and I don't know how knowing what play it is, matters in this situation when you're covering Jalen Hyatt one-on-one and you know he's basically going to go deep, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yeah, Cam, Cam Smith shut him out in the second half. The other part of that is their offense isn't really dependent on signals. It's that you, you diagram Hypel's offense and it's, it's just fast, fast, fast. There's not a lot to it schematically. They just go super-duper fast. And, and, you know, that game was about Spencer Rattler, South Carolina's receivers, making play after play after play, the offensive line finally holding up, and Marcus Hatterfield getting his head out of his butt. I mean, you know, how, how does stealing signals have anything to do with Juice Wells leaping over their defensive backs on third and 15 and catching passes? You know, I mean, that yeah. that's just – it's silly. It, it's – a it's a cheap shot to Beamer to bring up the wakey leaks thing. I mean, look, he did it. I know, but that's a long, long in the past. The guys, the guy has gotten uh, an assistant head coaching job at, at a major power and an SEC head coaching job since then. I think if that were really a problem, that he couldn't pass a background check, right? You know, and that's not the same thing as sending people to record all of your opponents. <laughs> And buying tickets to sit in the stands uh, on each side of the field with a cell phone camera and writing a manifesto, which is what Michigan did. The guy at Michigan. I still yeah. can't get over the manifesto. Um, but yes. uh, like, like I said before, nobody, no manifesto has ever been good in the history of anything. But, I mean, that, that's just not the same thing. I mean, you know, uh, it's wrong, but it's not the same thing. So I, I just – you know, I, I think well, I think it's just more excuse making out of that crowd for what happened last year, and it did ruin their season. But you know what? Hey, guess what? Uh, maybe Hendon Hooker could have thrown the ball a little better. 
You know, hey, hey, maybe maybe you could have decided to play defense at some point. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I mean, because the, yeah. the you know, yeah, I, you know, I don't think Marcus Satterville was sitting there dissecting their defensive signals because there were a yeah. lot of third and fifteens yeah. and stuff. I mean, during that game, you know. Uh, oh. So I don't. I I just think it's a it's a pile of bunk, and I hate that it's out there. But you know, Beamer Beamer will handle it the way he wants to handle it. You know? I didn't mean to turn it into a discussion. I just wanted to read Garcia's quote because we love Steven around here, and uh, and he said it like it is. Steven right. told it like, you know, yeah, hey, look, you know, I mean, Steve Spurrier ran the same stuff forever with the same signs, and now we're talking about sign stealing, and it's a popular topic. You know, it, you know, it's part of the game. Figure it out. It's part of baseball. Figure it out. Move on. Everybody quit complaining about it. Have a nice day and hallelujah. Uh, this week in the SEC, in addition to South Carolina at A&M, by the way, that's up to a 16-point spread. Georgia and Florida will play at 3.30 on CBS. The Dogs are 14.5-point favorites in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party down in Jacksonville. Uh, at 3.30 on the SEC Network, Mississippi State is at Auburn. The Tigers looking for their first win in the league. State looking for their second win in the league. Auburn's a six-and-a-half-point favorite in the ballgame. Keep in mind, if Mississippi State goes on the pull- road and pulls up, pulls another road win, upset, if you will, the last week they did it at Arkansas, they'll be at 5-3 and three in the first year of Zach Arnett. It would look a lot different than those 5-3s and threes of Mike Leach but they'd still be at 5-3. Got to give him some credit. Jordan Hare will welcome them in tomorrow afternoon. 7 o'clock tomorrow night on ESPN, 21st-ranked Tennessee is at Kentucky. The Vols are three-and-a-half-point favorites in that ball game. We're going to pick all of these later on. Kroger Field is uh, ready to rock and roll. Kentucky trying to get bowl eligible if they can get their win. It would also improve them to 3-2 and two in the league. And then Vanderbilt tomorrow night has a very difficult test in Vaughn-Hemingway Stadium in Oxford. Ole Miss, 24-and-a-half-point favorites and an over-under that's at 63. The Doors looking for their first win of the year in the league. Ole Miss looking to improve to 7-1. and one. And that is what's going on around the SEC. One game in particular, guys, that uh, you are most intrigued by outside of the Carolina game. Let's say Tennessee and Kentucky. Uh, that, that line is a little—I don't know—a little, I don't know, a little uh, shorter than I thought it would be. Uh, I do have a theory: Tennessee's a much better team at home than on the road this year. Uh, maybe they're kind of looking at that Florida game and going similar style of play. Uh, but keep in mind, Florida Mertz had a completed a high percentage of passes. Uh, I would go and and streak down a a, a, a through a moonshine hill if uh Devin Leary put up that kind of performance percentage wise against the Vols secondary. They are out. Uh, uh Tennessee did who's the defensive back that, that talked all the crap last year uh, and, and uh, that had an interception this year against the Gamecocks. Can't remember yeah. his name. Uh he's out for the year. Uh oh. so so the, the Vols are missing a corner, but um uh I don't know, man. They own Kentucky. It's just like Derek Dooley beat them. Champions of Life beat them. Freaking Brady Hoke almost beat them. I mean, it, no matter what's in Lexington, uh, the one time they got them was during the pandemic. Kentucky won 34 to 7 in Knoxville. But other than that, it's either like, you know, a close loss 
uh, a close win against a terrible Tennessee team or Tennessee takes them to the woodshed like they did last year. And I, um, I just, I don't know. I, 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 it's hard for me to buy Kentucky at this point. Um, I think, you know, but I'm, I'm, I am curious because the line is three and a half and, you know, we'll, we'll see if Mark Stoops and his group can, can rebound and have a magical night at Kroger field against their, uh, sort of rivals. What you got, Phil? Anything? Uh, any anything in particular has your attention? Uh, the cocktail party. I mean, I think yeah. it's. Uh, you know, I'm, I've I've said it a number of times this week. I think Georgia's. You know, just going to beat the pants off of them, and Florida's going to have one of those. You know, mm-hmm. we are who they thought we thought they were. Games. You know, like they're just not going to be able to to deal with it. I, I know everybody's kind of obsessing over Brock Bowers being out, um, but. I don't think Florida is going to be able to put up enough points for that to be a serious issue. Dare I say, if the dogs fall, that the SEC is on the outside looking in of the college football playoff this year. I don't know. I think they are. Yeah, I mean, at this point, for sure. Yeah, at at this point, for sure. It depends on how things shake out, though, and and how good, I think, Alabama and or Missouri look for the next five weeks. Let me clarify. They are as of now. There's a lot of college football to play. Ohio State and Michigan, of course, still have to go, and we'll see what happens with FSU. Washington certainly still has some challenges to get through. Oklahoma more than likely is going to see Texas again in the Big 12 championship game all of them have have hurdles to clear but if georgia falls tomorrow against the gators in jacksonville at this point in time it, during the season for the first time and i don't even know how long the sec if you've got on tuesday this coming tuesday are the first college football playoff rankings they will mean literally nothing but if georgia gets beat tomorrow you'll have the dogs and the rest of the SEC on the outside looking in on those first playoff rankings. Yeah, yeah. But I think you'd have three of them like within striking distance. But you're right. I mean, it's not – there's not going to be – they probably would move Georgia out to five, I would imagine, depending well, uh, depending on what it looks like, you know, and, and where they kind of feel like Bama is. I don't know if you're talking really, just SEC. I mean, how much value are they putting in Florida? Like the Gators right now, according to the AP, have the 26 most votes in the country. So they're not a top 25 team, but they're as close as you can get. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, is this a – would it be a quality loss? It's a neutral site game against your rival. I guess it could be. But is it a – or is it a bad loss? I don't know. I don't know. If JC just said something a moment ago, the Brock Bowers thing. How much would the committee take that into consideration? Georgia with or without Brock Bowers, and now Slippery is that slope because every team has major injuries. None of them have a Brock Bowers, but there's always somebody who's just as important to their team as Brock Bowers is to Georgia. So you got to be careful getting into that, you know? Yeah, that's hard. I mean, with with them being dinged up, I guess, to fault them too hard. But you still, I mean – He's not the only person on the field, so, I mean, no, you need right. to win this game. <laughs> I guess the question game. is, should Georgia be expected to beat Florida in a neutral site game without Brock Bowers? I think the answer to that question, in my opinion, is yes. Yeah, I think Vegas expects the same thing. I mean, it, the line wouldn't be over two touchdowns, you know, even though it's just barely, right. uh, you know, if Georgia weren't the better, more talented roster heading into that. 
100%. Georgia has turned, lo and behold, Georgia's turned this series, guys. Uh, Kirby, especially. Kirby's five and two against the Gators. Lost his first one and then lost that in the pandemic year uh, to uh, that really good Dan Mullen team that led the country and, and won the East, led the country in passing. Uh, if they hadn't thrown the shoe, they'd have probably been in the playoff. <laughs> uh, but uh, other than that, he's he's pretty much dominated the Gators. Uh, and now, lo and behold, you look at the last 13 meetings, you know, because even after Spurrier left, Urban Meyer uh, and Ron Zook both, uh, you know, Will Muschamp kind of started this, but uh, uh, Urban Meyer and Ron Zook both were pretty good against Georgia. Um, I think Urban maybe lost one and Zucker was two and one. But since since 2010, Georgia is eight and five against the Gators. Uh, in this ball game, and five out of the last seven, and eight out of the last twelve. Yeah. So they they've changed. They flipped it again. And uh, historically, before Spurrier got there, Georgia sort of dominated this one. So um, I don't know. I, I I think Florida has had some nice wins, surprising wins, including South Carolina and Tennessee. I just still don't think they're a very good football team, um, and I don't think they match up well with Georgia whatsoever. Of course, you can say the same thing about Carolina and Auburn. You know, a combined one and eight in the SEC. Both of them had fourth quarter games with Georgia. So, uh, and that's my question about Georgia and the Bauer situation. What happens when the game is on the line? Because against Carolina, you notice, man, they went to Bowers late. They needed a critical first yeah. down. They went to it. They found him. Uh, I guess Auburn especially, he saved the day for them against Auburn. So what happens if it's a fourth quarter game? You know, they're going to start looking for it, or who's going to step up and be the man uh, for Georgia's offense? Georgia gets out twenty-one-seven, something like that, starts dominating, starts rolling, and it's it's seventeen-point game going to the third quarter. There's no way Florida wins, but uh, if Florida can keep it close, get to the fourth quarter, I think that's when uh, uh, that's when butts get tight, right? <laughs> and when butts get tight, you look for your go-to guy, and if he's not there. And there's not an answer. Look out. 11.47, time for a timeout, our final one of our one. When we return the injury report for Carolina heading into the ball game and a couple of in-state big-time high school football games to keep an eye on tonight. Michael Flint will lead off hour number two. John Strickland is ahead in hour number three. And plenty of discussion on the Aggies in the Gamecocks, right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndoco. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go game 
Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight out the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast, the char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer, just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Final six minutes here, hour one, inside the Gamecocks, the show powered by our friends, everybody's friends, really. They're the Wilkins family. How can you not be friends with Michelle and her team? Uh, Electric Bikes of Charleston, if you're looking for that, quote, big gift, you know, the big gift comes from Santa sometimes, too, electricbikescharleston.com. You do not have to be in the low country. And I told Mike Morgan the other day, and I thought he was going to fall out of his chair because he wants one to take down to the beach in Florida. They make bikes that you can literally fold in half and put them in your back seat instead of having to put them on a bike rack or I've got a truck, so I don't really care. But if you don't, it's a pretty easy way to travel. Fold your bike up, electricbikescharleston.com. Quickly on in the injury report, Vershawn Lee and Amarian Brown are out tomorrow. They will not play. Stone, Blanton, Xavier Leggett, and Case and Henry are questionable. Mario Anderson is probable, and J.C. has uh, mentioned earlier already that uh, Xavier Leggett seems to be more probable than questionable. We expect both of them in the game. Also expect South Carolina to roll out their eighth different offensive line in eight games, which is just really uh, not good. So uh, that is uh, kind of the injury report. Shane has been short and sweet about it where he's told you who's out and then said literally everybody else is questionable, kind of the – Bill Belichick model of doing things. 
and um, we'll see what they look like when they get out there tomorrow. Hats off and congratulations and good luck to all those playing high school football tonight. I know in the low country there are some just incredibly big games, an undefeated game in Mount Pleasant, 8-0 Lucy Beckham, 9-0 James Island uh, over at, uh, at Wando, which is where Beckham plays their home games, which is embarrassing for the Warriors. But uh, nonetheless, 17-0 combined between those two teams. Fort Dorchester is at Somerville tonight. Uh, that Those are both region championship games. Whoever wins, wins the region. And there's a lot of those all over uh, the state tonight. So good luck to everybody. I know Broom and Chapman are both at 8-1 and one on the season. They've got a big one tonight at Chapman Crescent 6-3 and three at Daniel, who is uh, 9-0 and oh on the year. South Point's at 6-3, and three, hosting 7-2 and two York. Man, this is what a, what a night for football. This is fantastic. Congratulations, boys. Keep keep playing. South Florence heads to West Florence. They're 9-0. and oh. West Florence is 5-4 uh, and four on the season. Um, uh, Clover is at Rock Hill. A 7-2 and two Clover team takes the trip to Rock Hill. The Bearcats are 6-3 and three on the year. Macby and Louisville. Macby's at 6-3. and three. Uh, Louisville. Louisville. Uh, Mac at six and three, Louisville at uh, eight and one. That's another fun one there in their neck of the woods. How about Burns and Gaffney? Number four, Burns, eight and one. Gaffney, number 12, seven and two. Mm. Boy, that's going to be a lot of fun tonight. Man. In, in the upstate. Uh, and a couple more I want to squeeze in real quick here. And then JC is going to update us on recruiting before we uh, hit a timeout for this hour. Flora at Ridgeview, four and five AC. Flora at seven and two, Ridgeview. JL Mann is seven and two on the year. They're at ninth ranked Hillcrest tonight, who sits at uh, eight and one thus far this year. Lots of teams trying to finish well. How about this one in the Midlands? Gilbert nine and zero oh, undefeated. They'll walk into Casey, South Carolina, and face Brooklyn Casey, who's at seven and two, trying to ruin that undefeated record. North Augusta and Trevon Dunbar in Midland Valley at nine and zero. Oh. Hosting the seven and two, hosting seven and two North Augusta tonight at seven thirty. That's going to be a lot of fun. How about uh, first year head coach Devonte um, uh, Holloman? Holloman at six and three. Pinewood is at uh, Johnny Waters and Northwood Academy. They're at six and three. That's going to be another fun one. Kane Bay and Berkeley are playing for a region championship tonight. 96 and Abbeville are playing tonight. They're both eight and one on the season. Bamberg Earhart is eight and one. They're at seven and zero. Whale Branch. Oh my God! There's not enough time. All these games are going to be awesome. So congratulations to whoever wins tonight, and to all the losers. Congratulations to you too. You've had a fine year. We'll see you in the playoffs. Wow, that was a lot. A lot of big games tonight. Mm. Awesome, awesome stuff. JC, you look you look startled. Okay, I'm just What's thinking about that Burns Gaffney game. I mean, I've got I've got. A few friends on both sides of that. Of course, I'm a Burns guy, so I'm pulling for Burns. But uh, I got another buddy who uh, loves Gaffney. His son will be a really good player there at some point. That uh, you know, so may, may the best team win. But certainly, uh, Burns doesn't like Gaffney too much, and, and it's kind of a new rivalry uh, because back back in the day, the big rivalry was Gaffney Spartanburg, and as Burns kind of replaced Spartanburg as, as the team to beat in Spartanburg County, that rivalry heated up. And at Burns, they called the team from Cherokee County. 
Yep. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, the but way, uh, keep up with all those scores tonight on the Chiefs mm-hmm. Sports app as well. Absolutely. Just scroll through it. Because I'm sure I'll get bored of this Illinois thing with all these games going on. Uh, South Florence, West Florence, obviously. Kelvin Hunter at West Florence is committed to the Gamecocks. South Florence is the uh, alma mater of Lenore Sellers. And uh, his younger brother committed to the Gamecocks yesterday for the class of 2025, first class of 2025 commit. Uh, I think this says two things. First of all, it gives the Gamecocks a very talented in-state wide receiver. Um, gosh, I saw somebody talking about, like, oh, God, we need him to gain weight because he's under, he's a junior in high school. <laughs> yeah. Guys get bigger. Yeah, Shut weight up. is the last thing I worry about because uh, he's fast. He's got great ball skills. And, and and the other part of this that tells you, you know, some people that get nervous about the portal and, by God, you know, if there's a guy to get nervous about, because I think his, I think the, I think the secret got out that Furman game. Yeah, you're you're nervous about anybody poaching Lenora Sellers, right? I mean, he's he's a great player potentially, um, but is is the type of guy other coaches can eyeball and go, oh crap. Um, his brother now coming to Carolina. I think that's and his brother had offers. Uh, I think that's uh, that should make some of you that are, that would be worried about that feel better. Uh, everything I've heard from the inside says there's no, you know, signs that he's leaving that he's very happy there, and and, and they've made sure he's happy, right? But when brothers coming too, you know, that's uh, that's another good sign for those that were uh, maybe worried about it. Uh, and so there, there's the recruiting, uh, a little bit of recruiting there. I think it's a heck of a start. I think in-state wide receivers tend to hit at a high rate. Uh, so anybody in-state they take, I'm all for, you know. Even some guys, and I'm not going to mention any game names, uh, back in uh, previous eras from the state that weren't very good, seem to find their way on the field. So <laughs> there you go. In-state wide receivers from South Carolina. Can't go wrong. Uh, and Jaden Sellers is one of the very best uh, in this class. So uh, there you go right now. Um, uh, 76 asked earlier if there's somebody from the state that this light Lenora Sellers that you think the Gamecocks should just go get. I, you know, man, I, I, I got a guy I like, but I don't know that the staff agrees with me, so I'm going to keep that to myself because uh, I don't want everybody to go out there and, and start the, 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 the riot to take him. Um, I'll tell you, he's committed to NC State. It's Jamar Boston uh, is a guy that maybe I would circle back on just because I've heard a lot of good things about him. Um, but I'm not going to be – I don't feel strongly about it. Uh, of course, there is talk about Trevon Dunbar if Daniel Hill does not come to South Carolina. Uh, it seems to be some conflicting information out there about Hill. He did not commit. I put in my crystal ball for Alabama, though, because that's what, that's what people are telling me. Um, I don't know – where the information is coming from that he's leaning toward Carolina, uh, unless mom and mom and Daniel uh, won the battle over dad, which could happen. Heck, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be sad. I mean, Daniel Hill rushed for like 348 yards and four touchdowns in a game the other day. That's hard to do, man. I don't care who you're playing, as long as long as the other team's playing tackle football. 348 yards and four touchdowns, ridiculous. So we'll see what happens with that. But, no, he is not committed anywhere yet. Um, uh, Topley says, Braylon Staley and Mazio Bennett will make a solid wide receiver class. Yeah, I, you know, don't put, all, but don't put all your eggs in Braylon Staley basket, though. Uh, I think they'll be fine. 
Um, and 76, I did see your questions. Uh, and Caden did say Jamar Boston's a stud, so I like him too. Uh, we'll see, uh, we'll see what, what happens with Trevon Dunbar down the road. If, if I'm being honest, and I can get Daniel Hill and Trevon Dunbar, I'm probably doing it. But that's just me. They don't listen to me. <laughs> oh, this is, this is the best song ever. 12 o'clock <laughs> on the nose. Time for a timeout. It's getting close. Trick-or-treating. Happy Halloween. Michael Flint up next. Hey, folks. It's JB. And as we all know, it's football season. My favorite place to shop for myself and the family is Gamecock Traditions in Lexington. They have the widest selection of Gamecocks attire, plus all the cool accessories for tailgating, cooking, kids, shoes, hats, and so much more. Most importantly for me, you can order online at GamecockTraditions.com and it's shipped timely to your door. I've been shopping here for years, and I hope you will too. Order online right now on the Chief Sports app. Go Gamecocks! Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include a variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998, or you can go to Elite Roofing. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today.
24 hours until kickoff in College Station between the Aggies and the Gamecocks. Welcome back. Hour two inside the Gamecocks, the show live always from the Sinorama Studios and built by the Barndominiumco.com, part of the Chief Sports Network, which is part of the Dixie Vodka Savior Life during football season network. Thank God for that. I've got to go pick up some cranberry juice. But that's what get, gets us through Saturdays these days, along with our friends at Chicken Cock Whiskey. As always on Fridays, we're joined by the very single, very disease-free, <laughs> Michael Flint, former wide receiver for the Gamecocks, and uh, Mr. Wando, as they used to call him until his brother, Stephen, came along. What's up, man? Oh, uh, Not much. How y'all doing today? Hey, David owes me because I promised him I would do it right, and I finally got it. The very single, very disease-free Michael Flynn. Oh, man. It's Friday. So, so David Flint, wherever you are, wherever you are, you are the king of the Flint brothers. All hail. And uh, we did it, man. We did it. Oh, man. All right, Mike, um, hopefully this defense has figured out whatever disease they've had for the last however long. Uh, it's been a struggle to watch them just – it's – I'm maybe I'm, – I don't want to say I'm convinced of this, but if you really want to just whittle it down, you could probably convince yourself of this. I don't know, maybe stop guys on third and fourth down. Your defense might look a little bit better, huh? What do you think about that? Yeah, it's tough, man. It's 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 tough to say. I mean, you know, I'm not necessarily a defensive guy, but you know, watching you know watching the Missouri game was tough. I know it was tough for everybody to watch because um, we felt like that game was going to be a lot different. You know, I thought it was going to be a lot different, um, but I think depth is really I think depth and youth, you know, is really starting to show. Um, you know, we're getting into the grind of the season. You got guys that are banged up and not being able to rotate guys in and out as much as you would like is, is hurting, but, you know, also not being able to get pressure on the quarterback and, you know, not stopping, like you said, not, not putting yourself in favorable down and distance situations, um, you know, giving up too many plus yardage plays on first down that really puts you back up against the wall. Um, when you, when you look at it and just, you know, and I, I know this team is, is tough and, and, and full of, you know, grit and, you know, these guys are playing their tail off, but it, you know, towards the end of that first half, it was, it was tough. I mean, you know, some of the body language of the guys out there, you know, was not good and it, it wasn't a good look. And, um, but, you know, coming out in the second half, the way they played and the way they, they battled was, was a completely different feel than it was in the first half. But I think a lot of it, you know, comes down to when you look at what the offense, you know, was not able to do um, the defense being on the field, for such a long time and Missouri being able to sustain drives just wore them out in the first half. I think with some adjustments, when we came out in the second half, we were able to get some stops. Um, defense was able to get a little life to them and you saw what happened, but then you saw what our offense was not able to do once our defense was able to get stops. So, you know, it really it's, it's all three phases that have to come together, um, you know, as a whole to really see the success across, you know, on, on that scoreboard. And, um, you know, having it all come together at one time. So, that you know, it was tough. I mean, you know, I think in the future, you know, I think South Carolina is, is going to be a great program under Coach Beamer. And the recruiting and everything we've been able to do, you know, is, is, is really building for the future. And I think we'll see these are the kind of games that, that, that 
really good and great programs find a way to win. You know, there's always that one or the one or two games that you come out and you're flat and you just gotta, you know, you just you just gotta survive it. And I think this that's the kind of game on the road that really good and great teams win. And I think we'll see that in the future, but it's just bringing it all together and being able to sustain that success in, 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 in all three phases, really. Yeah, Mike, you know, it's, um, it's been frustrating clearly. Uh, and w- when you really kind of start trying to figure out exactly what's wrong, I mean, you, you know, I just mentioned uh, the, the numbers on the defensive side of the football, it, it, you've got, you, you're giving up, 42% on third down. I've never seen this number. They're, they're 10 of 15 allowing fourth downs. 10 of 15. Michael, Michael, they've played seven games. So, obviously, opposition, they, they're they not fearful of going for it on fourth down against the Gamecocks. Uh, and uh, they're pretty confident, quite frankly, that they'll get it. And the numbers show that. Um, so, that's not good. Uh, the turnovers on the defensive side of the football, a total of seven of those. They've picked off six passes. That's 11th in the league, 56 overall in the nation. I, I wouldn't say that that's terrible. They've only recovered uh, one foot, well, one fumble, and that's that's 12th in the SEC. That's 118th in college football, um, Mike. And turnovers have been a, a, the main reason, really, the last couple of years, why this defense has 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 done some good good stuff around here allow the offense to, you know, maybe go out and score some points. I think last year the offense scored 90 points off of turnovers throughout the season. That's a pretty good number. Yeah. This year, only 24 points off of turnovers. That's that's not a good number. So, you know, that's going to have to find a way to improve. Uh, you look at the offensive side up front because of injuries, really, really because of injuries. Some of it is because of play, bad play, but most of it is because of injuries. Um, you'll have your eighth different starting lineup on the offensive line this week. Well, they've only played eight games, so you do the math. You know, it's every single week. It's a uh, it's a different group. When those things, Mike, when when the signature item of your defense turnovers, when you're not getting them, when you can't stop people on on critical downs, third and fourth, and when when you don't have any consistency on the offensive line, and you look at that two and five record, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean you're right. Turnovers are huge. Turnovers have always been big, a big part of 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 our defense and the aggressiveness that we play with and you know really you can see you know historically the defensive backs that we've had and the linebackers we've had over the course of the last few years with the talent that's been there and being able to create those turnovers turnovers are 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 massive um you know anytime you win the turnover battle i think you go look at wins and losses uh you win the turnover battle there's a large uh you know a large percentage high percentage that you're going to win the football game especially if it's you know by, by more than one and being able to convert those into points. But I mean, I think a lot of that with the with the with the play of the offensive line, with with how many guys have been banged up. I mean, you look at how many guys are are hurt across the you know the front five. It's 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 amazing. I mean, I think it's just it's it's terrible luck, really. Um, I think that's really what it is. Cause, you know, I think with a healthy offensive line of you know, even the injury of Jalen Nichols at the beginning of the season, um, you look at some of the guys that we've lost, it it it's it's tough because you know Strick you know Strick will tell you that the cohesiveness of those guys in in the on the front five is it just, it's 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 not a statistic that that you can put on paper. Um, it's just something that's it's in the locker room. It's just what those guys have, and it's you know people just don't see how important it really is knowing what the guy next to you is going to do 
and making sure they understand what, what they have to do and knowing that they, you know, that they're there, you know, and it's, that's, that's the one position that having that cohesiveness is, is massive. And it's not a stat you can put on paper and that's been a challenge. And I know Spencer's played his tail off Um, what he's been able to do, you know, behind that line and getting the ball out of his hand quickly and being able to process a play has really, you know, it's kept us in a lot of these football games. I mean, you look at the Missouri game and you go back and you look, you know, being able to, you know, we had we had opportunities in the second half. Being down as much as we were, we still had opportunities. And if we could have turned those field goals into touchdowns, I think the fourth quarter is a different game, even as tough as it was. And we could say that about some of these other losses that we've, that we've had. And I think a guy like Spencer and Xavier, they kept us in these games. And those are just a couple of guys. And, um, you know, I think, you know, being able, being able to get the ball out of his hand quickly, utilizing the quick game is going to be really big for us going forward. But, you know, it's been tough. Injuries have really kind of hurt, you know, hurt this season. And as far as a lot of these close games um, with these wins and losses, you go but even go back to North Carolina. You know, we still had a shot to win the game in the fourth quarter, even though we had nine sacks. Um, but that, that's the biggest key, I think, for us. I think that's the mo- one of the most important things is the offensive line. If we can block, I think you can see we can score with a lot of folks. Even though we've given up a lot of points, we can still score. But we got to give, you know, we got to give Spencer time to throw the football. Um, you know, if we can give him a little more time, I think it's 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 big. And I like the way Coach Loggins has used, you know, the pass as an extension of the run, um, trying to get some screens in there. I'd like, you know, I think a lot of ways we can neutralize that pressure is, you know, through screens, draws, delays, um, things of that nature. But you know, teams are going to continue to kind of pin their ears back and come after us and get after the quarterback. And if we can do things to potentially neutralize them, really just pinning their ears back and flying upfield, it just it it helps the quarterback. It helps the offensive line. And I think that's one thing I, you know, I'm looking for towards you know down down the stretch is what can we do to neutralize that pass rush a little bit by u- utilizing the screens, the screen game, utilizing draws and delays, um, things like that. But you know, it's it's going to be a tough stretch. Um, you know, these guys got a gel. We've, you know, eight different starting lineups in eight games in the front five is you could ask any coach, anybody in in the country. That's, that's not, you know, it's not a positive. It's not a, a great thing. And it really doesn't do much for the cohesiveness of those guys up front. You're going to have missed assignments and, and, you know, blown assignments, things like that. So, but it's been, it's been tough. I think, you know, all phases trying to come together and really try to look at the weaknesses and see what, we can do to offset some of that from a play calling standpoint. Mike, you and I were talking last Saturday after the game about, uh, or no, not, I'm not, I'm sorry. Uh, during the game about utilizing the quick game um, because, you know, Rattler just, I mean, you're talking about buying him time and I know, I know what you're saying, but I don't want that to be confused as in like, they need to allow him three, four and five seconds to be able to drop back and throw the football. That's not, that doesn't exist. It's not there. We don't need to act like it's there because they can't do it. They haven't done it in eight games, and they're not going to do it this weekend against maybe the best defensive line they'll see all season. So how do you – what is the quick game, and how would that help improve the offense if they can properly execute it? Yeah, I think just sustaining drives, getting the ball downfield, getting yourself in in positive down and distance situations – you know, having success on first down to get to those second and short, second, medium, second, and short, third and short situations where the playbook's still wide open. You look at 
a lot of what the 49ers have done with Brock Purdy, you know, and seeing him and he just processes things so quickly. He takes his drop and cuts it loose and he sees the field and they move him around. They move him around a lot, whether, you know, through uh, play action, um, you know, rollouts that, you know, they do a lot to shift the pocket. Now, granted, the 49ers offensive line is very, very good, but they still do things to try to neutralize the pass rush to put those guys in in good position to be successful up front um, and not putting them in, in in tough spots and being able to see where blitzes are coming from. And, you know, a lot of times when you say you want to replace the blitz with the ball, um, where guys are coming from, get it over that way, but from a passing game standpoint. But um, being able to really utilize a lot of that kind of stuff to kind of offset some of that pressure to help the offensive line. But, you know, watching what he – what Brock Purdy does on Sundays, it's just – it's it's really cool to watch just seeing him drop back and cut it loose and really be able to process and diagnose a play so quickly. And I think Spencer has that capability as well because you've seen what he's done so far. And that's kind of what I've compared to by watching both of them. But, you know, if we can give Spencer some time, I think you'll see a lot more of that. But it's being able to how, – how you neutralize that rush, you know, and looking at film of what Texas A&M may – or may not do and kind of shift in that pocket using play action. You see what we did against Tennessee and Clemson last year, kind of that same thing. We were able to move the pocket around, able to, to kind of get Spencer outside using play action. And um, you really saw what he could do with the football when he's got a little bit of time. Michael Flint, former wide receiver at South Carolina. One of my best friends. I guess I need better friends, but I'm glad <laughs> yeah, you to say that though. Uh, on the defensive side, Mike, uh, I'm sorry, before we get there, uh, continuing with the offense, and you mentioned Strick, and, uh, Strick just a minute ago. Uh, reminder, at 120, in about an hour, we'll be joined by former offensive lineman John Strickland, and we'll talk about a lot of these these issues they're having up front. I, Michael, I just don't see any way that um, that they can even really stay close unless they can find a way to run the football. Uh, you know, I, I what does that look like? I, I don't know, but I, I do know that Mario Anderson has really settled in, and he is very capable of breaking one almost any time. Hell, he almost really popped one, um, I think, last week early in the game, and, and there was another one he almost popped for a long one in the in the Florida game with Williams Price. So he he's really right there, and he's had some some nice weeks put consecutively with the all all the issues they've had up front. Yeah, so, he's you know when, when you're. When you're utilizing quick game and all those type things, Mikey, it still comes back to running the football, and 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 they've had some struggles with with the offensive line. There's consistency there. So what's what's that look like this weekend? Gets maybe the, maybe the best DL in the whole league. Yeah, I think look at what Mario and he's so close. I mean, you look go back at Missouri. You look, he almost broke one. That I think could have been a, you know changed the kind of the landscape of the game early on. Um, I feel like he's right there. He's able to navigate the hole um, pretty well. He's able to – his vision is very good maneuvering that and being able to kind of slip right right through, right right alongside the offensive line, seeing the hole, being able to make one cut and go, which is, you know, you, know, you see some runs that are maybe two or three, maybe four yards. But, you know, what he does at the line of scrimmage to be able to, to make a cut and go and get upfield and get what he can instead of a tackle for loss or, you know, tackle at the line of scrimmage – um, has really been a, a, a big benefit in his vision. And I think, you know, his, the experience that he's got um, is is big. But, you know, finding ways, again, like I said, I think Texas A&M is going to try to bring bring some pressure. But, you know, also looking at it, Texas A&M has got a good front four. 
So will they try to just bring pressure with four and drop everybody into coverage? And and if you if they're able to do that, it's going it, that makes for a long day um, when guys can get pressure with just you know the, the the front four and not have to to blitz and do a lot of wild things up front. It's, it can be tough. It's going to be tough because those guys just keep everything in front, and you're not able to really take a lot of shots and and put pressure on that secondary. So I think that's one thing to, to you know I'm interested to see early on is is Texas A&M going to try to bring some pressure or are they going to look at just seeing what they get with their front four and then go from there. Um, if they're able to have some success, you know it can make for an easy day defensively for Texas A&M. And we're going to have to take a lot of quick stuff and you know methodically get the ball downfield and then start to take some shots. But um, you know it's that's that's the one thing that's you know that it's kind of it's kind of you know. Interesting to see how Texas A&M decides to to play us. Whether they try to do a lot of you know stunts and and, and bring an extra guy or two, or do it with those front four. But um, you know that's one thing that I think is going to be a critical you know kind of decision point in the game and how we see it versus what they're doing. JC said something earlier this week uh, that uh, JC I'm going to paraphrase because I can't remember word for word how you said it, but. You know, hopefully, if they can get it into some type of game like it was in 2015, uh, that's when that's when uh, <laughs> that's when you and I used to do this on ESPN. Uh, first of all, we we spent a lot of time over there at, uh, at TLC Sports Bar outside of Williams Price, trying to figure out during those rough years how the Gamecocks were going to pull one out. Um, <laughs> and um, but but that year, that's the year that Perry uh, took off running in the first quarter, and he finished running in the second quarter uh, for 66 yards. <laughs> Uh, they lost the game 35 to 28, but, um, but man, they were fighting the year that coach Spurrier resigned in the middle of the year and coach Elliott had to kind of get them up and get them going. Um, Brandon wilds that day ran, uh, correct me where I'm wrong guys. I think it was 17 carries for 128 before he went down with a little bit of an injury. And, um, and so it just feels to me like, I don't know how I have no idea how, but they can't go over that. Spencer Rattler has not been able to throw the ball consistently well on the road this year for a multitude of reasons. I'm not blaming Spencer. Um, so they've got to run it. And then on the defensive side of the football world, we're kind of transitioning here. They're not getting to the quarterback. I'm not saying sack quarterback, Mike. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to. It'd be nice. But, I mean, they had four against Florida, and they gave up 41 points. You talk all the time about making the quarterback feel it, you know, making the quarterback feel it. And and if you're a quarterback, being able to feel the pressure, this is a different feel here. Uh, so I, I don't know what the answer is. I, I'm con- convinced there's enough talent for them to be able to do that, but they just haven't been able to do it. They do send pressure at times. In my point of view, it seems very, very vanilla. Um, it seems uh, like it, most of it gets picked up. It seems the only time that it really ever gets through is something that is blown by the offense. Is there anything at this point in time after seven games that they could do that would show something differently to affect the quarterback, especially a guy like Max Johnson? He's left-handed. Um, you know, how much does that play into it? Yeah, I don't think being left-handed necessarily plays a whole lot into it from my point of view. I, I, let me rephrase that. My, not, not him himself. I'm talking about from sending pressure. Yeah, and having your back to this side of the field versus that side of the field. I, I don't necessarily know. Um, never really thought about that. Um, I don't think it's it's huge. I mean, it's different from a, you know, from a from a defensive end standpoint. You know, you look and see. You know, a lot of times you're 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 coming off the edge on the the blind side. 
Um, but, you know, a lot of teams move guys around up front and do different things. So I don't, I don't know necessarily if it's a, a massive, um, you know, from our standpoint, really. But, uh, you know, as far as being able to protect Spencer up front and being on the road and not having a ton of success, a lot of that comes from crowd noise and the line not being able to communicate with each other and not being able to hear each other. And that's where kind of what I said earlier is being understanding the guy next to you knows what he's doing, being able to use little hand signals that, you know, you work on during practice, you know, day in and day out to know and understand, you know, what you've seen on film, you know, with potential stunts, blitzes that are coming to say, all you got to do is point to a guy and you understand you got to have your head on a swivel one way because you know, you may or may not have help. So you got to get there. And that's the one thing that it, that it comes down to. And I think that's what's played a lot into it is what I think, like I said before, the cohesiveness and knowing from film study that you're not going to be able to communicate really verbally. And it's all got to be done through hand signals point, you know, however it may be. Um, and that's where that comes in. And I think that's where a lot of the struggles have been in having a new starting five every single game is that kind of cohesion and understanding what to do when, you know, when, when teams are blitzing, you saw what Missouri did. Missouri did a lot of those two gap stunts where they slanted guy came around two gaps and came underneath and multiple times and really affected us a, a lot and not being able to pick that up. I think, you know, we saw it, but we saw it late and being able to see how the alignment when they align, you know, or tip things to be able to point down the line and, you know, say, Hey, this, you know, you're pointing to your guy, left guard, right guard, whatever to, you know, watch out for, you know, watch for this, watch for that. Um, and being able to see those kind of things. And that's where it comes into play. I think from a defensive standpoint, I mean, you know, we're, you know, injuries have piled up. I mean, it's been tough along the front, in the, you know, at the second level at linebacker. You got a lot of young guys playing. And like I said before, you know, those guys tend to try to, you know, they, they, they have to think a lot. So you're not able to just react. Um, you know, you got to process things and you, play a little bit slower than you normally would, not completely understanding what's going on within the defense. But any of these guys just need to, you know, kind of let it all hang out. I mean, I think what Cam Smith said last year has got to, has got to play into a lot of what's going to, what's going to happen. And just, you know, you just got to drop them and go, um, you know, be the better. <laughs> drop them. That's the t-shirt. Drop them and go. And, and just, Debo, Debo said the same thing this week. He was very not happy. Last week I mean, after the ball game, and he said, "Guys, we got to do what Cam said. Like, you know, drop your nuts. I mean, what are we doing here?" And that's that. You just got to go play free. And I think with Clayton White, you know, going forward and all the noise, the outside noises, you just tell let those let those guys go play, go play freely. You can, but you know, at the same time, you can't call. You know, you can't be very kind of bland and vanilla to go to be able to play free. I think that's those guys communicating up front, communicating in the you know second level and in the and in the secondary to be able to do that kind of stuff. But, you know, I think that's a lot of, you know, kind of what these guys go do. You're on the road only, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's you against, you know, the world per se out there in college station. So, you know, play loose, play free and just go, go have fun. Um, I think that's a lot of it. You know, you are where you are right now. Can't do anything about it. Go out there, play, you know, play for the guy next to you, play for, play for your brother in the locker room and just go have fun. The last couple of trips have not been fun. Gamecocks been outscored by a total of seventy-four to twenty in forty-four to fourteen and thirty to six losses in College Station. The bottom trophy is on the lines. Second straight week, Carolina football playing for a trophy. They had to hand over the Mayor's Cup last week to Columbia, Missouri. 
Maybe they can keep this one in the house. A final couple of minutes here. By the way, Spencer Rattler just 33 yards shy of 5,000 to career yards at Carolina. He would be the 10th passer to do it. And he is 1,623 yards shy of tying Dylan Thompson's school record, 3564 passing yards back in 2014. Probably going to need a lot of those if they expect to get into bowl season uh, this year. But, of course, I, I maintain my stance. Michael, I don't think they can go anywhere unless they can run the football. JC, you've got your – you've unmuted yourself. He's – he's uh, this is Top Gun. He's back in. He Maverick is reengaged. Go, it's Maverick. It's game. <laughs> I'll have you know that my crew and my plane come first. You got that? <laughs> I love you, man. <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, nah, I'm, I've been engaged. I've been listening. To, uh, I mean, I'm not going to add anything to, to Flint's uh, breakdown. <laughs> oh, sorry. You can be my wingman anytime. Are you bullshit? Are you, you can be mine. Very, are you talking to the very disease-free Michael Flint or myself, Colonel? Hey, hey, Michael. She's lost that love and feeling, buddy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's lost it, Mike. She absolutely lost it, right? Ain't no doubt. Oh man. So anyway. Uh, she definitely lost it. There's All right, so uh, uh, yeah, so <laughs> nah, it's uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, look, I, I don't know. I, I need to. I didn't do my homework today. Uh, obviously, A uh, and M are they giving up a lot of rushing yards this year? I know they're good. They're sa- they got 29 sacks. So they're good against the pass. How good are they against the run defensively? I, I was thinking, you know, you're in a situation like this in the offensive line. Maybe it's time to go uh, look at the head ball coach's playbook and, and bring out the old base draw. That's I, I tell you what, that's the play well, that I absolutely think is is the one tight end drag. It needs to be brought back. The the little tight end dump, tight end yeah. dump off. Where's Busta Anderson when you need him? Whatever. Yeah. Hey, where's Andy Boyd? Andy Boyd made a living on that. Dude, Andy Boyd killed a guy in Florida. Yes. Remember oh, that dude Brick. that tried to tackle him? He never he never woke up from that. That was, Brick that was killed a damn guy. shame. Brick what killed a guy. Boy, what, that was that little, what was that little cat thinking? Have you ever I'll seen you what, Andy? That's a, yeah, that's a large man. Oh, Spurrier yeah. loved that play. Spurrier ran like that play six different times and then went to his high school reunion in Science Hill in Johnson City, Tennessee. And when he got put when they named the field after him up there, and he drew up a play. For the, for the the team that Friday night, here's something for those Crusaders y'all are playing. Same play, he loved wow. that play because you never associated him with throwing it to the tight end, and wow. then all of a sudden it would be like boom, and then here you go, the tight end's wide open. I think he ran it like drive two, play three in this first game here to Andy Boyd against UCF as yeah. well. It was I don't remember the play, but it was almost a deep pick. Um, yeah, yeah. I remember the two receivers on the opposite side coming and sitting yeah. at about eight, uh, seven to eight, and I think maybe fifteen or so, um, finding that zone and that hole and sitting there and almost you know a little pick, but it's that was not right. they, they it worked every single time. I mean, he uh, it, it uh, I don't remember the walk on tight end's name his first year, but 
well, they were Independence Bowl the first half. They looked like the the '96 Gators going up and down the field, and time came in the game for him to call it. And that dude was wide up. Thomas Hill, I think, was his name. Carson. Carson. Carson, Carson, Carson Askins. Carson. Carson. It was Carson Askins. Carson Askins. Yeah, here touchdown. Uh, yeah. Man, that was. Uh, I like so, but the draw play, you know, with an aggressive <laughs> offensive line that's winning, and 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 kind of with who Mario Anderson is as a running back. He's he's a he's a, he's a quick starter. You know, he hits the hole harder than the other ones. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's not a bad. That's not a bad idea. No, uh, you man, know, I was calling for that last week. Just you know, the Missouri was so aggressive up front, and we could just just all we got to do is just get 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 through the first level and let you know. Once you get through that first level, you know, running back. What a running back's job is, and when a running back really starts to starts to eat, as they say, is you make one guy miss and go. You make that first guy miss. It's a lot of extra yardage right there, but it's all about making the, the the unblocked guy miss. And once you get through that first level, you make the first guy miss, you got a chance for a lot of success. And I think with Mario, that's all you need is just make that first guy miss and go, and you got a chance to have a lot of success. But you got to be able to get you got to be able to get there. And I think the draw, just that the you know this simple football is a simple game is what Coach Spurrier used to always say, and you know he made it look so easy with being able to utilize things that defenses kind of are a little more aggressive in doing. And you look to try to neutralize some of that in a draw, a screen, just at the right time. You know, some of the simple plays, not being too complex, but just some of the simple things, going back to to the basics at, at, at certain times, um, really helpful. I mean, those, those plays have been around for a long time, and there's a reason they're still here. They had the middle covered for the most part, but had they not Saturday – that, that would have been a great time for our 2013 Missouri-Carolina game where Spurrier throws it to uh, Mike Davis, too. Uh, Shaw hits Mike Davis, too, on that little middle screen across the middle eight straight times. <laughs> they called it eight straight times, and they, they couldn't stop it. But uh, Missouri actually had the middle of the field pretty well covered. Uh, that's why, you know, a lot of people that keep screaming for slants and stuff like that. That's that's why the slants were, were not open. I they run slant, slants just about every play, man. It's up to Spencer to make the decision where he wants to go, and he's not going to go when a guy's covered. So I, I love the play with, with Lattimore. I don't know what we called it, boomerang or not. Boomerang, oh. You know, coming out the backfield, get manned up Bama. on a linebacker or safety, and then straight back in the middle. Um, you're, talking about, you're talking about against Bama, right? Bama. Bama. Just, in, just in general, he ran it so many times. I think against Florida when we – you know, when Vladimir had about 30 carries, it seems like against Florida, some of those some of those passes that he caught just coming out the backfield and then straight in almost mm. like was, I mean, just being able to create those mismatches. I mean, that was something that we made that's, a little as well. That was that play. That's the timing play because yeah. you've got to be careful about your lineman getting downfield on that yeah. one if you, if you miss it by it's, that much. I think the Bama game was a good example of it. It's very Gary Danielson swore they were wrong. downfield. Yeah, and, and that was – I remember that wrong. play, Michael – Against the Gators because that was that was the play they ran it right before the half. I think it was third and thirteen. They were not in field goal range. Marcus catches it. it it's really a slow developing play, uh, you know. And then he keeps running and running and running and running. And then boom, cuts it out of bounds, first down. So uh, I like that play too. You know, they, they worked on that all week for Bama in practice. From what people tell me. Spurrier just knew it was going to be a touchdown. Shoot, first time we call this now, it's a touchdown. Woo-hoo! And sure enough, they got down there at first touchdown. They called it. And uh, <laughs> that's just how he rolled. 
Hey, so. keep calling until they stop it. It's easy. Ah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's that's what they tell you, Mike. My fine, my key to the game this week uh, is uh, you know versus what my key to the game has been all the other weeks. This week I've simplified it a little bit. It's uh, score more than the other team. What is your key to the game? I mean, for me, it's very similar. Score more than the other guy. Yeah, but I think until we can do it, it's you got to win up front. Until you can win in the trenches, it's going to be tough to win. And that's kind of where I think we just it starts. And then building off that, and once you start winning the trenches, then I think things kind of shift from a from an outside perspective of you know what you see is kind of the key point or, or, or critical point in the game. Um, you know, regarding turnovers and things of that nature. But I think for us, it's just it's winning up front on both sides of the ball. And I think that's how you win games in the SEC is in the trenches. And I think, you know, each week, I think that's going to be the big thing for us is up front on the offensive line, just, you know, being better than those guys in front of you, but being able to give Spencer time to run, the, to be able to throw the football, have some success running the ball so you can still throw, throw it downfield. And then the, on defenses, getting to the quarterback, getting pressure on the quarterback and not allowing them to, you know, get in these positive down and distance situations. And I think until we can do that, that's really going to be, the key part because you look at where we are now and you know playing football in the sec is you got to win in the trenches and that's you know that's what we haven't really been able to do a lot or consistently this year i think well mike we'll see what happens carolina is looking for their third win of the season for what it's worth their first seven opponents carry a 40 uh uh-huh 40 and 10 combined record that is remarkable it's the best in the country uh, these last five opponents that they'll play starting this weekend, 22-16. and 16. South Carolina's hoping to take advantage of uh, maybe maybe lesser competition, but who knows? We'll see what it looks like tomorrow. I'll give you a shout uh, probably around, I don't know, man, 9 or 10 tonight, somewhere in there. You, you should be through at least one bottle of wine by then, right? Is that a good time to call? Probably not, right? Okay. All right. That sounds good. We got Strickland coming up next, and uh, we'll see if he's learned any pointers from you. See y'all later. Thanks, man. There you yeah, go. The building. great, the yeah. original one nine, Michael Flint, former wide receiver at uh, South Carolina, and uh, the legend of Wanda, one of them, till Stephen came along. Then he was a nobody after that. Uh, we do need to step aside for a timeout. I, I mentioned uh, John Strickland will be up at one um, twenty this afternoon. One twenty. Uh, reminder, 8.03 tonight on Fox. Remember that number throughout the World Series. Every game, the first pitch will be at 8.03. It's easy to remember because that's the area code of the Midlands. 8.03 tonight on Fox. The Rangers and the Diamondbacks. Jordan Montgomery is not pitching tonight, but Christian Walker will be at first base for Arizona. A uh, pretty funny quote here from Coach Tanner. Quote, I used to think I was a pretty good coach. Now I think it's just because I had really good players. You might be right. Uh, two of them are in the World Series, and we can't wait to watch those guys get after it. We are always live from the Sinorama Studios and served by Chicken Cock Whiskey. The bourbon, the blue bottle, that's what you want. You can find it by powering up our app and clicking the Chicken Cock Challenge. And if you can see our shirts, you can have one yourself by heading to Britain's in Columbia. Thank you so much, Perry, if you're watching. You are the man. You've made so many people look good. For so long, we're glad to be a part of that club and uh, can't wait to wear this sucker a little bit later on around the neighborhood on our kids' golf cart ride tonight and uh, checking out Halloween stuff and all this, that, and the other. We're, we're showing it off for you. We're showing it off for you. 
1240, timeout. We'll be right back. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Not today, sweetie. One heart's breaking while another one is mending. It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone. But because you've become my home. These windows could shut into the ground. These walls could fall right down.
All right, see, final, I don't know, 13 minutes or so here in hour number two. John Strickland is ahead. He'll also be our guest picker today on Inside the Gamecocks show. Welcome back, JC, JB, and Phil. Hats off to my wife for going to get the cushions that Weasel or Aaron was giving us at uh, Palm Casual yesterday. And uh, then coming back, having spent money when I told her, you, you, you don't, we, you don't have to spend money. Like he's giving us this, just go get the stuff that he's giving us. Just get, you know, the things that we don't have to just get the stuff, but she didn't, she had to spend money anyways on more things that we don't need. So we have them and naturally they've become my problem because now I have to find a way to cut the legs down on one of the tables she got. So I don't understand this, but with all that said, Palm Casual is just, we, we had a blast there last Friday. It is one of the neatest places. If you need anything, any, I mean, literally anything, fire pit, sectional, um, uh, any type of chair, any type of couch, any type of anything that you could possibly imagine, wicker seating, teak. They're the largest producer of uh, sunbrella cushions in the entire country. They've been around since the mid-70s. I mean, we're just honored to be partnered with them. We, we love love hanging out with them. That's where you want to go. It's in Somerville. There's also uh, Palm Casual in Mount Pleasant if you're down closer to the coast. But if you're more inland somewhere, you want to get the 350 Holiday Drive. Either location is fine. He owns both of them. And um, and the Crowfoot family started this. It is Gamecock owned and operated. And um, we're really thankful for them. And, and you can soup up that outdoor space. You got the holidays coming up, man. It's got to look good before the fam shows up for Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's and whatever it may be. This might be the time. Uh, if you if you went to the holiday, if you went to the clearance sale last Sunday, thank you. And how about this? How about this? You ready, JC? Phil? Phil, don't let your hair fall out on this one. You ready for this? Somebody showed up last week with a Carolina Rise shirt on and dropped three thousand dollars on outdoor equipment after listening to our program. Nice. Three thousand dollars. It, it was already nice. discounted 80% off. They must have bought half the damn store. $3, Thank you. Whoever, whoever that is, we appreciate your uh, support there. Wow. A, I know there, and he was telling me about two people he specifically talked to, or, you know, hey, we watch the show every day. really appreciate it. Another guy spent like $1,500. I mean, there was a bunch of people in there with Carolina stuff throughout the day, kind of pretty much knew where they came from. So thank all of you. Three grand, just send me an email, invite me over. I'd love to sit on whatever you bought because I'm sure it's really nice. So, um, really, really appreciate that. That's uh, oh, it always makes me feel good when our sponsors get business. So, uh, yeah. I get a lot of gratification about out of that. Um, I got some bad news. I looked up Texas A&M's rush defense stats. Oh, I was doing the same thing. Oh, my like, God. Look good. Yeah. All right. One team has basically Alabama only rushed for 23 yards against these guys. Yeah, of course, Alabama's got a lot of issues too. But man, come on! They've uh, only had one rushing touchdown before. Tennessee's the only team that's run the ball. These guys and they went for two twenty in Knoxville. But you know, it's Tennessee's run game's unique. I mean, it's they they go so fast and stuff. And those guys, all the backs they have, uh, uh, Wright and Sampson and, and and the other guy, they're very slippery, slippery players. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. Yeah. So, all right. So, 
bombs away, <laughs> air it out, baby. <laughs> you know, uh, but I mean, they have had some games. They've given up some passing yards. I mean, Jalen Railroad had 321 passing yards against them. Right. Um, uh, so that's not good. Um, that, that that's the way it is, but you know, Hey, look, Mario Anderson, man, I still think he needs carry some carries, you know, you got to keep them a little bit on. You can't just throw it the whole time and they'll put in their ears back and kill you. Um, uh, I like the draw idea. I also like it from under center, which is, uh, cause I, I don't like that shotgun draw cause the guys are, they meet you halfway in the backfield most of the time. Uh, unless it's the one where they kind of pause, and and if you have a really fast back, you could do it. You can get away away with it, but um, I don't know. I think probably uh, probably it's best to throw the foot to have a passing um, passing game tomorrow. If you're the well, it's got, it, but it's got to be quick game. I mean, that's the thing. They're they're in a really difficult spot here. There's going to be a lot of people throwing things at the TV tomorrow and going, "Why, my God, we can't run the football. Why are we trying to run? What are we doing? This, that, and the other. You have to." You've got to be stubborn with it to a degree. You don't have any choice. You absolutely have this offense. I, I gave this out earlier this week. This offense, they, they matter of fact, when Spencer Rattler throws it over 30 times, they've only won like twice since he's been here. All right. It, it's not it's not a very good offense when they're relying on throwing the ball through the air. They can't just sling it around. If they do, it's a phenomenon, much like what happened last year in the Tennessee game at home at Williams Bryce Stadium. But they and have Ways to run. It's got to be. They have to still run an offense, JC. Now, yeah. I'm not you. I'm not preaching to you. I'm saying just in general, they still have to run an offense where you know you know you try to run the ball and you also try to throw the ball. But th- this two, uh, this three and five step drop stuff, you don't have it. Like it's got to be quick game. You got to get the ball out. Yeah, I, I want to see Rattler roll out more. Uh, you know, I'd get, get him out. I would too. Yeah, get, get him out of the pocket. Yeah, yep. uh, he's a sitting duck back there in the pocket with this, these guys. Uh, last year, if you remember, too, in Tennessee, uh, Carolina did scratch out 112 rushing yards. I mean, they had – they and they got some rushing guards. They had that big reverse to Amarian Brown. Jaheim Bell had a couple of big runs. Um, <clears throat> you know, Juice Well scored on a rushing touchdown. DeCarrie Joyner scored on a rushing touchdown. So they did have enough running. The Clemson game, though, they didn't go very far at all. Um, running the – I think 55 yards total. Um, and so, of course, I think Jaheim had a 20-something yard run called back. But uh, it was – they're going to need that kind of game. Uh, gosh, I do wish Juice Wells was playing. Uh, my, the one thing about A&M, though, pass defense-wise, they do give up yards in the passing game. And their passing game itself is not that super-duper. Uh, with Max, Since Max Johnson's taken over, their numbers aren't really high. Now, they run it pretty well. They got good backs, so that's another problem. I can't decide whether this defense is worse against the run or the pass, though. Seems like at home, they're good against the run, terrible against the pass. It seems like on the road, they get completely gashed, you know, like Cody Schrader did to them last week when they were really bad against everything last week. But um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, tomorrow. Uh, Bink Beatty just says he ate an entire bag of candy corn. I'm going to go throw up now. It's corn season. Yeah, you know, I, candy corn doesn't do it for me like at all. Like Bink, I mean, I like you and all. I love you being here. You're, you're you have the ten thousand or so people a day. You're at the top of the list. But dude, the candy corn thing is nah. I, don't like, think the candy, I love candy corn. 
Oh, I Bill, agree you're, with you're, you. Bill, you just shifted way to the bottom of the list. I, I know. Man, I thought I you did, were better man. than that, dude. I, yeah. I'm with the uh, the late Mike Leach on candy corn. It's disgusting. It's horrible. It's it's what's the purpose? It's you're eating. Uh, it's like um, kind of like play doh. Like, what are you eating? I don't know what you're eating. What are, what are you eating here? Like, it's like uh, grainy. It's not syrup. corn. Yeah, no. Not hey, corn. you want to know? You no. want to know what a really underrated candy bar is see everybody thank you rebecca clint thank you clint's back in the game now yesterday we had to kick him out but he's back bert you know these guys all right they're good so uh you want to know what a really underrated candy bar is i i I don't know why i i don't eat a lot of candy bars really don't um i would i i I need to i need to eat them more but um i can't because it'll kill me so but you want to know what a really underrated candy bar is, guy? I was at my neighbor's last weekend, ate four of them, couldn't help myself. Just kept, I could have kept going. Hundred grand, mm. very underrated candy That's bar. That's a good one. It is. That it is always gets one. lost. Snickers always comes up. Reese's always comes up. Hershey's, you know, they always always. Hundred grand never comes up when you have the conversation. You eat a hundred grand, you realize real quick the 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 crispies that are in there. Mm. So good. I had a Zagnut the other day, which I had forgotten about, but it's basically the Butterfinger without the chocolate with a toasty coconut. It's It was delicious. Coconut? Okay. All right. Yeah, I like it. It's got the toasted coconut, and then the inside of it is basically a Butterfinger with no chocolate. Because, And here's another, here's another hot take from Phil. I'm not a big chocolate guy. Oh, no. This is not no. good news. I'm not JC, a big chocolate guy. How did you lure me into this? Why am I here? It took <laughs> nine months to figure out that Phil doesn't, doesn't do chocolate? Gummies. That's where you it's know, at. That's, I'm that's not... where myself and the late Mike Leach agree is that you cannot have too many gummy candies. I'm not a gummy guy, but I'm not a big chocolate guy either. I mean, I, I like... <clears throat> I prefer vanilla, you know, ice butter pecan ice cream is big with me, and uh, I don't know. I see. Uh, I'm not, I don't have a big sweet tooth. Uh, I do sometimes, but I don't. I don't normally. I see, like. I've screwed this up. Now I feel bad. This was going to be saved for Halloween. We were going to have the candy conversation on Halloween because look at this. You, you name. Is there anybody in here that like? hasn't said something different they've all said something different every single one babe ruth reesey cups butterfinger take five twit oh there's another babe ruth uh baby who who was baby ruth now i'm, I'm not who was that um i don't know but that's a good one i like that even though i'm not a big chocolate guy baby Cook, ruth. yeah Quantrill. yeah bink you're back welcome back my man reese's pumpkins are next level they are uh so are the christmas trees that are right around the corner you're back in the game. We're not going to ban you. Uh, three Musketeers, Zero Bar. Um, Clint's mom. Oh, no, I'm sorry. She's t- he's talking about the Zero Bar. Sorry, Clint. I thought you were talking about your mom as a piece of chocolate. Clint's mom <laughs> was an awkward. Hold on. Uh, wait a <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Payday. Pay uh, trolley Sour Worms. What are those? I don't do sour gummies. No, 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 no. That's the ones that have those little, you know, like the... Oh, the, the I didn't powder know powder. I guess it's ascorbic acid or whatever coating yeah. on the outside. Can't do that. No, disgusting. Hope is on to the ice cream train. She said the hell with the candy bars. Coffee ice cream is the best. We love Hope. We need to invite Hope on one day just to keep this place straight. She's like 
the mother of our programming. Really appreciate her. Um, Jack says, honey, peanut butter. Darius, you're out. Not a chocolate guy. You got to get out. See ya. <laughs> Kevin said, uh, Bucky's butterfly gummies hit different. No clue why. Bucky's, but you see, you got to go to Bucky's number one and get the uh, butterfly gummies. All right. Chris, ah, oh, my man, Chris Payne. Nana's porch. Anybody need catering this holiday season? There's your guy. You need to order your pimento cheese right now. Chris Payne, he's in. You better get your order in. Heath bars are up there, according to Chris. Go, Joe. Nana Sports. A bit of cheese straight out the bucket. Uh, gummy there you go, Rebecca. Yeah, gummy peach rings. Yum. Gummy peach rings. Oh, Lord, yo. We could do this all day. It's tw- <laughs> it's time to go. We got to get out of here. 12.57. Time for a timeout. Uh, we will, you know, talk about football when we return. I was lost in Never Neverland there. I've got to go to the store after I get off the air here, so I'm trying to figure out, hmm, what can I buy before Carrie finds me? Yeah, somebody's <laughs> candy. <laughs> now that we've all been having fun, let me ruin the end of the hour here. If you get to halftime tomorrow and Carolina's losing, it's probably over. They're just 2-14 and 14 under Shane Beamer when losing at halftime. What? They're thirteen and two when winning. At halftime, two and one this season. Remember, they were leading at halftime. Thank God for chicken cock whiskey. That's all I can say. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons, and so the resurrection of it. You know, Paris, Kentucky. That's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 864- 414-5271 Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama. Columbia and go game.
Sunday morning, day three of the regional before Carolina advanced to Florida to take on the Gators. I don't know when the last time either one of you had a chance to go over into West Columbia and the KC area and just walk. I saw Coach Staley, by the way. Don was walking. Walk that river walk. It is so peaceful. And they have just done a killer job on the river. So hats off to Columbia, West Columbia, uh, KC. Everybody up there that's just made it so beautiful and um, really, really, really neat. I, so we we we've uh, so Gamecock Pastor uh, he uh, he's done. He he's not going to finish his yard work because he came in from doing yard work, and uh, now he's eating ice cream, Dr Pepper ice cream. So first of all, it's good to have the great pattern. and um, and I'm so, sorry to hear about uh, your lawn only being halfway done the rest of the rest of the weekend. So. Appreciate you being here, though, my man. 105 here on Inside the Gamecocks, the, the show. A couple of uh, quick picks coming up in just a minute. And then John Strickland will be in at 120. We'll end a little early today, guys. We'll be out of here at 150. Uh, John can only join us till 150, so we figured, you know what, we'll just follow his lead, and uh, and we'll move on. I've got a trivia question for the two of you. Pop quiz here, Mad Dog and Schubert. Are you ready? You think either one of you can handle this? You, All right, you whoever can't gets, handle the truth. Whoever, sometimes I can't. Whoever gets this right, uh, I will send you an Inside the Gamecock sticker in the mail, okay? Oh. I have some. I know. You sent You sent me a well, you're gonna be I'll send you one back. I actually got some replenished ones. I got some new new ones oh. in the day. Actually, today, yes. He sent me a whole envelope of them last week. We gave a bunch away, but I'll um, – I'll send you one yeah. of those back if you get this. Send me more and some shirts. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Since his arrival in 2019, Xavier Leggett has caught passes from seven different players. Spencer Rattler, Jason Brown, Zeb Nolan. This is crazy. Luke Doty, Colin Hill, Ryan Holinsky. Who's the seventh? Ryan Holinsky caught passes or touchdowns caught passes. Kai Kroger. Kai Kroger. <laughs> that dog for the win. He's, he's been rattling the chicken cock a little early today. I can tell he's thinking he got it. JC man. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't quick enough. I wasn't mad enough. 
That's it. That's I, I didn't remember if it was like that North Carolina game that Jake started in 2019. If, if Xavier had gotten in for like a play and yeah, caught a pass or something, but mm-hmm. I mean that would have been very unmuschamp. Must champs freshman tended to play later, but uh, you, if you isn't that crazy to think about though? All those quarterbacks he's caught passes from, like that's wild, man. Well, dude's been around for. I mean, I you know late like late in 2019 he caught that touchdown against Vandy. He likes Vandy uh, from Malinsky. Um Now the Kroger pass was that was this year at Tennessee. Yeah. That was this year at Tennessee. It just happened, yeah. A um, but. Uh, and then I'll never forget. I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. <laughs> Talk about must champion injuries, which we all laugh at now, but it would eat the skin off everybody's face when he was here, right? So Xavier Leggett suddenly disappears. I mean, against Florida and Tennessee, and early in the year, he was clearly our receiver, WR2, receiver two behind Shy Smith. I mean, what probably wasn't what I would call great. But was was serviceable and getting better, and he played against Vandy and that that big win, but in front of no people in the rain, <laughs> bizarre. <laughs> Muschamp era is bizarre, uh, and he just disappears. Nobody, nobody knows where is he because there was all the hype about Jalen Brooks getting eligible, uh, and then Jalen Brooks was sort of disappointing and and, and blah blah blah. Colin, everybody's talking about Colin Hill and. You know, nobody, nobody mentions Xavier. And, and so what you fast forward, I think it's after the first game Mike Bobo actually coached. Mike's at a press conference and they go, uh, well, what about Xavier Leggett? You know, because I just kind of thought maybe he wasn't good enough or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Xavier's going to be a really good player here. Unfortunately, he's been out for the season since uh, the Vanderbilt game. <laughs> <laughs> Second leading, second second best wide receiver. Nobody asked until like the end. Yeah, I guess they were sick of like, yeah, yeah. He has a he has a toe. Mike Mike spilled a lot of beans uh, when he finally got up there. I remember he was asked something about the secondary. He's like, "Well, we've got another guy uh, who is going to probably play this week. His name is." Um, you could tell he had no idea who the kid was because he'd been coaching offense all year, and he goes, "His name is." Joey Hunter, and uh, he is uh, looks like he's number fourteen. <laughs> you know? And you're like, oh god, this is getting worse by the second. You know? <laughs> like, poor Mike Bobo, we suck again. Like, this is just embarrassing. <laughs> um, and by the way, Strickland, we've pushed. Uh, we're going to push Strick back to one thirty. So we'll take this break to one twenty eight, and then. Um, and then uh, Strick will be able to go until two o'clock. So we will stay until two o'clock today. No ten minute discount for either Jeez, one. Jeez, man! I was, I was uh, look forward to getting out of here. I got laundry to do. Minutes. Yeah, you know it is. <laughs> I, as, as much as I, as much as I uh, adore our my, our chief uh, fan here, at Hope, I, I do disagree with the, that. Muschamp mm-hmm. never cared about this program. I, JC can speak on it much more than I could. Um, I and we're we're not gonna in any way, shape, or form because we're getting into the ball game right now. But um, I got to know Will pretty good, and he cared as much as I've ever seen somebody care. I, I could argue he cared more than Coach Spurrier cared, but it just did not work. It, 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 and here, here's the thing, too. I, I think Will eventually realized 
And I understand why the way. By the way, I understand why people think that. Just so. Yeah, and, and hope you're not usually wrong. So don't 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 beat yourself up over that. No, it, no. It's hard uh, to was, understand that until you meet the Muschamp guy. wasn't like warm and inviting in public like Spurrier, no. you know. Uh, and but the thing the thing about him that people don't understand, he did care about his program. Yeah, but he also but beyond that, he cared about his players more than any coach. I think until Shane that's been here. And every one of them will tell you that at Florida and oh, South yeah. Carolina both. Uh, there's, there's nobody, no, no, nobody has much bad to say about Will. Obviously, there's some disgruntled people out there for every coach, right? Including Spurrier and whoever, mm. um, and Shane included. Um, but, but Will cared about his players, and he, he's old school like that, you know. Um, I think what he ran into here, quite frankly, was yeah, sometimes. Sometimes you, you, when you're at places like LSU and you're at places like Auburn and you're at places like Texas and in Florida, you kind of people can say, well, "What about Florida?" Think, think about Florida. Florida's never won if Urban Meyer or Steve Spurrier hasn't been there, which means the the normal application of building a program at, at places like Florida and South Carolina. And I know Florida's had more success in South Carolina, but keep in mind it's only been twice. So it's the, so uh, you know Urban and Spurrier did it very uniquely there. Uh, it's not the same, and, and I frankly think Billy Napier will run into it just like Muschamp and McElwain did. Uh, mm-hmm. Muschamp was not used to being in a place like this. Uh, I think maybe he got a little bitter about it toward the end. Um, I think maybe he started to realize some things toward the end too that that he probably didn't realize before. Um, and then I think, quite frankly, the, the reason he wasn't all warm and fuzzy when he left was because of COVID. Uh, and, and for an old ball coach, old school guy like that, is it fair to fire you when you have half your team in and out and you got all this crap going on? And, you know, before the LSU game, when you're kind of got some momentum, five, four D linemen come to you and just say they're not playing that week because they don't feel good, even though they tested negative. I mean, I understand where he's coming from. Was it time to move on? Yes, because this fan base, and you guys are important. Fans are important, right? It's important what you think and feel. Never going to get over the 2020 season. I mean, even even with a good start in 2021, you know, it, it bounce it back to 7-5, and 8-5, and five, which is what that 2021 team probably could have been. Um, it wasn't going to work. I mean, it just wasn't going to work. And – when you are in a situation like that, when you have a track record of not winning at a school that at school A that school B feels inferior to, uh, you better win, uh, you know, and win big, and not not just one good year. Same thing happened with Ron Zook at Illinois. Uh, Zook took them to the dang Rose Bowl and then was out in two years. You just don't have a shelf life. Um, so that's the thing with it. He, he's not a bad person. Uh, he never has been. He's a great guy. His players love him, and that's what that's, that's more important than what we think or anybody else thinks, right? As a coach, what your players think of you and the respect they have for you and the life lessons you teach them and how you mold them, that's more important than what any fan thinks of you at all, period. <laughs> uh, and, and he got that. And that, that makes him, in my eyes, uh, a guy that may not have won enough games, and he'll tell you that. But but he didn't leave this place a loser. 
you know, as far as, as how he left the roster. And yeah, there were holes. I'll agree, but I think he left the roster in better shape than Steve Spurrier did, or arguably Lou Holtz did, and then arguably Brad, Brad Scott did for those those guys. So uh, yeah, that's my take on Muschamp. And uh, you know, I, I, people can disagree all they want. And uh, you know, Joel, yeah, you're probably right. He was not forthcoming about things with media and fans. You're right uh, about that. Yep. But it's pro- it was all about protecting his players, though. So, you know, tell me, yeah. tell me what decision. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you do there. So anyway, I don't want to talk about Will Muschamp the whole time, but uh, or, or more than we have. But uh, that that's my take on him. Uh, the Salsaritas Fab Five Challenge is up, and you can participate on the Chief Sports app. Terrence Hill, our winner last week. We will have a different winner. This week, and whomever does win, wins a Fiesta Pack to Salsaritas in Columbia. As Mike Morgan always says, I'll reiterate it here. I'm trying to figure out why I've lost the background of my uh, screen. That's not good. Uh, as uh, Mike Morgan always says, um, we invite everybody to play, but it, we, we really want somebody to win who's going to be able to use the Salsaritas uh, Fiesta Pack. So if you win, you're like, oh, shoot, man, not – I live in Michigan. Well, then, you know, please let us know that uh, if you don't mind, if you happen to win. All right, uh, college football kicking off tonight and kind of kicking off the weekend tonight and into tomorrow. If I can get my computer screen to work here, I'm trying to figure out. I'm getting some fill problems on my end. Um, We've got plenty of picks coming up. John Strickland, of course, will be our guest picker. Florida Atlantic and Charlotte will play at 730 tonight on ESPN2. At Jerry Richardson Stadium, that is the home of none other than the Bahamas Bowl here in 2023. <laughs> uh, so they will, uh, the Owls and uh, Charlotte will, uh, you know, kind of tee that thing up uh, tonight. Tomorrow, the first games begin with South Carolina and Texas A&M. The Aggies now 16-point favorites over the Gamecocks in College Station. Elsewhere, it's a, this is an interesting noon slate and we're going to make four quick picks here in just a second and then the rest of them we'll get to with john uh coming up in just a little bit uh in his segment but hear me out florida state is at wake forest that's number four florida state on the road in winston-salem on abc at noon number six oklahoma on the road in lawrence kansas fox noon CBS, Indiana, and Penn State. Can't imagine Penn State's going to have a whole lot of whole lot of issues there. And also at noon on Fox Sports 1, West Virginia on the road at Central Florida. Why, why is that interesting? Well, Central Florida does not have a Big 12 win. They are seven-point favorites in the game at home. This could be their first ever Big 12 victory as a member of this league. And then Clemson and NC State coming up at 2 o'clock, but nobody will be able to watch that because it's on the Gilmore Girls Network. So, but Florida oh, State. The CW special this week? Yeah, the that... CW special oh, this week. Yeah, you right. got it. Did, you, did, y'all, did y'all hear Dabo got, got to ask about that? Yeah. He's yeah. like, I don't even know where it's at. Well, I, don't, I don't watch that much TV. <laughs> Yeah, he had uh, he he he. I doubt he. I, I'm sure he he knows a little something about. It. He's the head coach of the Clemson Tigers, but uh, might maybe have a clue about the TV contrast. But Florida State and Wake Forest at noon on ABC. 
Anybody know who's won the last three games in this series? The Demon Deacons. The Demon Deacons. And two of those have come in Winston-Salem. None of them were against the Florida State team that was this good, though. The Knolls are 20-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. And you'd like to think, yeah, you know, it's th- this is no big deal. But just be careful because the next two road trips for the Knolls are at Wake and they're at Pitt. And those are the sleepy, you're not paying attention type ball games, and all of a sudden you're trying to figure out what happened. These are the type Saturdays that nobody expects, and you always get one every single year. And generally it comes around this time. Careful. JC, Florida State wins, or are you going with a major upset here? Nah, I think they wouldn't cover. I, Lake Forest can't score. They don't They don't have a quarterback this year. Uh, they're a good team overall, and I, and I hate it for them, but they 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 don't and and unlike Clemson who's got some clunkiness to its offense, Florida State doesn't. I, I think I think Florida State's probably sick of losing to these guys, and they're going to go in there with some motivation and run them out of the building there at uh, Allegiancy Federal Credit Union Stadium. I guess is what it's called now. Remember, it's been like BB and T Field. It used to be called Grove Stadium back when it was, you know, people weren't selling their naming rights and stuff, but uh, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think Florida state has much of a chance. You know, that pit game the next week, ask me what the weather's like before that happens. But, uh, and, and Pitt's not very good this year either, but uh, I just, I've watched some Wake Forest this year. I, I'll, like I said, like a lot of their team, but just the, no quarterback, no offense, blah, blah, blah. Speaking of Pitt, they're on the road this week at Notre Dame, who is coming off of a thumping, of Southern Cal, 48-20, to 20, the final score in that one, embarrassing the Trojans. But next week, they've got to go to Clemson. That one's always circled now for Notre Dame after Dabo brought the guts into the rain about seven years ago. Any chance that they're not paying attention maybe until the third or fourth quarter this week in this game against Pittsburgh at 3.30? Yes. I'm yeah. with you. I, I think, think it, this one's closer than people think it is. Keep in mind, Pitt also beat Louisville, you know, earlier this year. You know, they're not very good. However, they – all those kids from – Pittsburgh's roster is primarily built from kids from western Pennsylvania and, and a lot of kids from, like, South Florida, right, and some from Maryland, D.C. All those kids from western Pennsylvania grew up like in Pitt – or Notre Dame. Uh, it, it's not really – Western PA is not really a huge Penn State area. It's it's a Pitt or Notre Dame area. My ex-in-laws are from Pittsburgh. Uh, and so it is like – it is an over-the-moon huge deal for Pittsburgh to play Notre Dame. There's been bad Pitt teams through the years that have given Notre Dame all they want. I, I, I thought they did a great job getting up off the mat, beating Southern Cal like they did. But the fact remains – you're not going to get five turnovers every game. Uh, I'm still questionable about Marcus Freeman as a head coach. This is the type of prove-it game for him, guys. It, it, he needs to get out there and prove you know, they're not going to have that letdown and not going to be looking ahead to Clemson. Um, so, so to sum it all up, absolutely it's going to be a fourth-quarter game. Uh, you know, or, or it could be. It absolutely could be. Phil, who do you have winning this game? What, Notre Dame Pitt? Uh, I I think Notre Dame pulls it off, but I think it's close. Closer uh, to 20 and a half, huh? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah I agree. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah Pitt covers. Yeah. And you got Florida State as well, right? 
Oh yeah, Florida State covers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess Wake. Uh, yeah, Wake. No. I mentioned West Virginia and Central Florida at noon on Fox Sports One. Uh, the Knights are seven point favorites in this game at FBC Mortgage Stadium, sunny Orlando. West Virginia. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a, it's, it was looking good for Neil Brown. It just ain't looking as good as it once was boys. Uh, they were sitting there at four and one. They had their hearts broken against Dana Holgerson in Houston on that unbelievable pass. Hail Mary, the end of the game, West Virginia scores. They're going to win. Then they lose Houston wins. (laughs) And then last week, Oklahoma state walked right in and walked right out. 48 to 34 and and it just it seems like the wheels are coming off if they fall here they'll fall to four and four two and three uh in the big 12 with two of those three losses being against newcomers named houston and central florida who currently have a combined record of one and seven that ain't good for the future of neil brown especially when you have byu and a trip to oklahoma and a game against pretty lowly cincinnati and then they also have a game against Baylor. It's a manageable schedule, but this could really put uh, put him behind the eight ball if he gets beat this weekend. And quite frankly, guys, I think that they will get beat this weekend. I like Gus Malzahn's guys. I think Central Florida wins. Oh, no, I'm going Mountaineers here on the road upset to, mm. to get them one step closer to old Coach Brown going to a bowl game before he gets fired. Huh? <laughs> If he goes to I a mean, ball, I don't know that he does, though. Yeah, no, if you hold on to that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Something sort of happened to the West Virginia defense well, the last couple of weeks. I mean, Oklahoma State's uh, – his last name's Gordon. Oh, Ollie Gordon the second rushed for 282 yards <laughs> against yeah. them. Uh, I mean, they've given up points in droves. You know, they were winning with 89. defense. 89. Yeah, they were winning with defense, you know, beforehand. Like, beat Texas Tech 2013, beat TCU 24-6 or whatever. I don't know what's happened to their defense. I I would not want to be struggling on defense and face Gus Malzahn in Central Florida at their place, at the bounce house. That's what they call it. With, uh, you know, them, they're they're all hot and bothered and pissed off because they had Oklahoma beat last week. Uh, and they, they, now they're like, okay, we can be a pretty good team. We can compete in this league because we just took the number one team in the league in Norman to the wire. Give me Central Florida to cover and win. Give it to me. Give it to me. Uh, I'm with you. And finally here, Mississippi State and Auburn, uh, last of our quick picks, and then we've got to hit a timeout because – uh, the one of the great legends of Columbia, John Strickland, is standing by patiently waiting on us to plug him in and give his thoughts on the game this weekend, and then he'll also make some picks as well. But State looking for their fifth win of the year under Zach Garnett in his first year as head coach. It would also be their second win in the SEC. They're six-and-a-half-point dogs, though, on the plains of Auburn. First-year head coach Hugh Freeze, couple first years going up to get against each other in this ball game. Auburn is 0-4. If they lose, they will be guaranteed, of course, to have a losing record in the SEC, and bowl eligibility looks even further away. But they are almost touchdown favorites, Phil, to lose in this game. Remember him, the guy that just ate Carolina up and down the field? Uh, Does Mississippi State take another blue-collar road trip and get out of there with another blue-collar road win? 
I think State steals one. I don't know. Yeah. Vegas looks like they know something more than, I mean, obviously they know more than I do, but I think this line's a little heavy. But, yeah, I think they win. I'm going to, I think Auburn, Auburn's, the line's kind of tough for me. Uh, six and a half. Let's go Auburn, but not to cover. That's what I took in the Salsaritas Fab Five with Mike. Yeah. I, I think that State keeps it close, but Auburn will win the game. And, yeah. Uh, I, I, uh, the the I just, you know, Auburn, they're, you know, they've lost so, four in a row, man. Uh, yeah. You want to give some hope to Carolina? Think about how bad Mississippi State's defense was before suddenly they made some sort of adjustments and uh, look what they did to Arkansas, which was a pretty good offensive football team heading into the game. Hey, uh, you, so there, there's your hope. You talk about hope for for Auburn, Mississippi State. Their next two road games, their next next two games are on the road at Vanderbilt, at Arkansas, and then they come home against New Mexico State. You win this game, you, you're you're, you're staring seven wins in the face, and then of course you got the Iron Bowl, and Bama comes to the Plains. Yeah, so, anything I mean, can happen. Anything mm-hmm. can happen. They Auburn, are through the thick of it. They're yeah, Auburn. Thick of it. Yeah, Auburn wins this one. They they can start marching toward a seven win season under uh, Q Freeze in his first year, if not more. So, I yeah, do. I'm with you, uh, JC. Though I I do think Auburn wins, but State they'll cover it. All right, uh, let's uh, take our final timeout. John Strickland is due up next. He'll pick. He'll be our guest picker today for the rest of the games on the docket. But first and foremost, we'll get his thoughts on South Carolina at two and five heading into College Station, looking for win number three on the season if they can find it against a difficult Aggies defense. Don't go anywhere. Inside the Gamecocks today is also presented by our friends at Gamecock Traditions. 25% off all apparel online, in-store. You can go into the Chief Sports app. And pull them right up and order right there, right now, in the Chief Sports app. 25% off. Do your Christmas shopping today. Get you a Halloween costume for your son or your daughter. And anything you can imagine with a Carolina logo, it's there. The best place to shop for all things South Carolina. Gamecock traditions. We'll be right back. Hey, folks. It's JB. And as we all know, it's football season. My favorite place to shop for myself and the family is Gamecock Traditions in Lexington. They have the widest selection of Gamecocks attire, plus all the cool accessories for tailgating, cooking, kids, shoes, hats, and so much more. Most importantly for me, you can order online at GamecockTraditions.com and it's shipped timely to your door. I've been shopping here for years, and I hope you will too. Order online right now on the Chief Sports app. Go Gamecocks! Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include a variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998, or you can go to EliteRoofing.com. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Segment inside the Gamecocks, the show on the Chief Sports app, part of the Chief Sports Network, which is presented by our friends at Dixie Vodka. JB, JC, and I don't know where JC went, but that's okay. <laughs> JB, JC, Phil, and John Strickland uh, joining us as our guest picker today, but most importantly, as a guy a lot smarter than we are when it comes to talking Gamecock football, former offensive lineman for the Gamecocks. First time appearance on our show. That's my fault. But I sure am glad to have you, my man. What's up? Not much. Uh, all is good. TGIF. Yeah, you're right. right. The, the chicken cock is calling my name down there. So right. I was going to say, winner of the best background of anybody we've ever had on the show, John Yeah, Street. hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me see here. Let me see. There we go. Uh, uh-huh. See, ah, nice. The, the dude's been a winner for years, man. How many bo- – how many – how many different are they, is that all bourbon or what do you have back there? Yeah, I mean it's all it's all bourbon. Uh it's probably 200 bottles at least. So what time do I need uh, to be there? <laughs> right, yeah. Whenever you're ready. <laughs> yeah. Why do, why yeah, speak, I, 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 hey, huh? speaking of chicken cock, you know, we uh 
the Gamecock Bourbon Society is actually doing a chicken cock dinner and tasting in Aiken at uh, Prime Steakhouse next Friday around 5.15. So, you know, if anybody's interested, uh, you can let us know. Uh, I think we got we got about 10 tickets left. So we've got a bunch of people in here who up in that area. Um, uh, if it, if I tell you what, any of you that are interested in that, if you want to contact me, John, what do you want me to just give them your? Yeah, your, that's fine. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. So anybody that's interested in that, you can contact me in the app and I'll get you in um, touch with yeah. John. Is that yeah. Cool? Myself and uh, Grayson Griner will be there. So gg one of the great dudes out there man he is a tall tall drink of water ain't he just like yes, you sir. <laughs> i think he's got you maybe by an inch but he's ah it's it's close it's close well man uh south carolina is looking to get a lot of those inches if they can this weekend on the ground against a a a pretty pretty uh pretty good defensive front for for a&m they've been off for a week they're following a couple of tough losses on the road against Tennessee, they they lost at Alabama. I think it combined thirteen points in both those games. For for South Carolina, you're the offensive lineman. You're really the expert when it comes to all this. It it, it could hold true that tomorrow will be the eighth in the, in eight games, the eighth different starting lineup for Carolina up front. Walk me through that. What type of challenge do these guys go through to to create any type of consistency, continuity? all those type things when you don't have the same five out there every week. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, definitely tough. Uh, I was just talking about it with your buddy, old Bill Gunter, uh, on 107.5, uh, I guess, Wednesday morning. I went in and hung out with him for a little bit. But, I mean, it's tough. Once you're you're mix mac, you know, mixing everything up, different people, different spots, uh, it, it literally makes communication uh, tougher. Um, so it puts a puts a strain on, on the lineman. Um, I mean, it's because what you want is you want the same five guys all the time. That way, everybody knows everybody's tendencies. Everybody knows how the other one communicates or tells you something, or how this guy's going to react and do this. So the more and more times you get all these guys mixed in, and especially you start throwing true freshmen in. Um, I mean, listen, it's a lot of pressure on a true freshman. And think about a lot of times that happens with true freshmen is they're out there and instead of just getting after it and playing, they're almost probably in the back of their head thinking, all right, just make sure you don't mess up. And that's not what you want. You want it to just click like, uh, you know, picking up this cup of water and drinking it. You know, you don't even think about it. You just do it. And uh, so that's kind of been a problem for us this year. The Bainbridge, Georgia native, John Strickland here at 135 on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Yeah, I, the freshman situation is really interesting because uh, Big Tree, Babalade, and Trevon Ba, you can, you can see it. They've got talent, and they're going to probably pr- be pretty good. Uh, but they're just young. And then, you know, you, you move Vershawn in the Florida game. They felt like the best thing to do is move him to right tackle. And, um, and then he gets banged up. But he's also their most experienced lineman. So when he goes out of the game, how does that affect the young guys? I mean, so basically you you have Trevon out there at right tackle. Well, guess what? He's got the freshman guard uh, right to his left. Well, he's he, he's been around so long, he knows what to does, do so he can help the uh, freshman guard out more. And I think that's why you saw 
the O-line plays so good against Florida um, is just because of that. And um, that's that's where that older mentality leadership comes into play, uh, especially on the offensive line. I mean, the two hardest quarterbacks to come in and be really, really superior at is offensive line and quarterback. Uh, I mean, there's just such a big gap um, between everywhere else. I mean, skill guys, you can have them go out. Yeah, they may screw up on some some routes or whatever, or some DBs may bust a coverage, but physically and mentally, it's it's easier than it is if you're talking about the off versus O-line uh, and quarterback position. So it's kind of like, you know, the, the closer you get into the ball, I think it's uh, harder to come in and play. But, I mean, listen, these uh, two freshmen that have been playing for us, they're, they're big physical dudes, so no complaints on that. Um, and you know what? It's just a growing pain. They're, they're going to have uh, brain lapses on some things. And, uh, you know, a lot of what I saw, especially against Missouri last week, uh, we just weren't passing twist off. So that means the guys aren't communicating and passing twist off. So you can tell the youthfulness in that. Uh, that caused some problems. And then, unfortunately, I think about two or three times our right tackle just did not block the defensive end. Uh, just let yep. them run right through. So, uh, so there's there's just more missed assignments from young, inexperienced guys. Um, and I mean, I, that's the story of this team this year. If if we if we hadn't had all these injuries, I think uh, you'd be looking at a lot different record right now. Uh, but I think with just this team is the most injury ridden team. Uh, I think Muschamp had one too, but this is probably the worst I've ever seen. Uh, on a football team, injury-wise. I mean, I, and we just don't have the depth uh, to, to be able to plug guys in. I mean, we got guys to play, but necessarily they aren't ready to play. John, you being a former offensive line, former center, former offensive lineman, um, you probably know what it looks like on the other side, too, because you had to block those guys. Um, yeah. What, what is your – where where are you? What are your thoughts on where the Gamecocks are up front on the defensive side of the ball thus far? Yeah, I think the defensive tackle's been, you know, pretty good. Uh, you know, obviously I think T.J. Sanders has been the, the standout guy. Uh, you'd like to see, you know, the, the other, other guys step up and be a little bit better. But, um, you know, I, we haven't been accustomed to, at least this year, the defensive end play we've uh, been accustomed to over the past many years. I mean, I mean, even you go, uh, yeah, 25 years. I mean, even you go back to 99, oh, and 11, still you had John Abraham just getting after people. Um, So you just, I don't know where those guys are. None of them have showed up. Uh, Nobody stepped up and uh, been that guy. And, you know, I know everybody wants to get mad at the coaches and all this. Oh, man, fire such and such. You make a change here. But uh, the players got to go play, okay? And the problem is we're not getting much pressure on the defensive front. Um, and we have zero lack of depth. And we have a ton of freshmen coming in and playing. And when you have a ton of freshmen, true freshmen now, playing uh, – against the big boys in the SEC is going to cause problems. So I don't think you can sit here and 
you know, sit here and bring blame the coaching staff. I mean, obviously, when things aren't going right, everybody wants to look at the coach. Then usually it goes to the quarterback, and then usually it goes everywhere else. Uh, but uh, it's just this team is so beat up and young. Uh, it's just it's hard to win games like that in the SEC. You mentioned the quarterback. How how would you describe Spencer Rattler? Man, I thought he's been outstanding. Um, I just I, I had a feeling going into this season, just from some of the stuff I'd seen and heard preseason. Uh, and I mean, he's been every bit of what uh, I think any Gamecock could have hoped uh, we would have a quarterback. I mean, honestly, the way he's been playing this year, I think uh, it's the best year. Even love Dylan Thompson, my boy, but uh, I think uh, the year he is having this year is better than any other quarterback uh, as far as what he's having to deal with from a protection side up front and, you know, also the run game. You know, the run game's been there some games, some games it's been none. So I think with what he's had to shoulder, um, basically all on him, um, I think he's played great. And, you know, three of his interceptions that he has are all garbage time of just him trying to throw the ball downfield and make plays. It wasn't like bad decisions. He's just trying mm-hmm. to throw it up and let a receiver go get it. Uh, just because you have you have to. When there's no time left and you're trying to score, sometimes you just got to let it rip. But, if, I mean, if we're in controlled games, I think you see Spencer's numbers are off the chart right now. And if he had a lot better pass protection, man, there's no telling what kind of season he probably could have had. Squeeze in two quick questions, and then we'll get to some picks. John, I, I just out of curiosity, being – being an offensive lineman, I mean, the Gamecocks have given up 30 sacks this year. It's 127th in the country. It's pretty, pretty hmm. awful, um, and, you know, to be blunt about that. You know, I, if I know anything about you and, and a lot of the guys you played with and a lot of the guys that played after you, just guys, we bunch of dudes we saw last week at the golf tournament and all, all kinds of dudes, offensive linemen carry a lot of pride. And and, yep. and when your quarterback's getting put on his rear end and chased all over town every time the ball is snapped, I, I'm just asking the the question of how does that make a, a a lineman feel? Like, what are your conversations like? You know, are you in the locker room? Like, you know, let's not get this guy killed. Do you take it personal? I mean, what, what, there's, got, there's something there. I just want to get it out of your mouth. I mean. I'm sure they're pissed off. Unfortunately, I cannot relate to this, and I'm not trying to brag on my offensive line, but in 03, we gave up the fewest sacks in the SEC. Okay, we were fourth in the country. We gave up 11 sacks the entire year. It was me, Travell Warden, Jabari Levy, Jonathan Austin, and uh, Nashawn Goddard. And then Jeff Barnes was the do-it-all man in that offensive line. If one of us goes down, you can plug him in. Uh, but, I mean, you, you know they're frustrated, okay? I mean, you know they're frustrated. Uh, but honestly, you just have to shrug it off and move on to the next play. And that's where I go back to what I was talking about earlier. I think some of these guys are just playing not to mess up and instead of just playing. Okay? Um, that's I, I think that's part of the problem. And I, I, Coach Beamer may have even said that one week or some time ago. I think I heard him say something similar to that. But, I mean, it's the truth. But – I mean, those guys, I, I promise you, they're they're pissed off. They're not happy about it. Uh, I know they're trying to do everything they can to fix it. But, uh, you know, a lot of offensive line play, it's about physicality, but it's also right here between the ears. 
Um, and, and that's that's a big part of playing offensive line, just like quarterback. I mean, there's a lot going on, and you got to react quick to what's happening. John says here in the Nana Sports chat box, can you all imagine Spencer behind that offensive line? Would you have enjoyed Spencer being your quarterback? No offense to, you know, Dondrell and all those other guys that play quarterback, but wouldn't it have been pretty neat to have him back there? Yeah, 100%. I don't think uh, Dondrell or anybody else would take any offense because, you know, I talk to Dondrell every now and then. I mean, he loves what Spencer's doing. So, uh, yeah, that would have been awesome. All right, final quick one here. Uh, Well, you take all the time you want, but um, clearly we we know what this team has looked like coming into the game. A&M, there's some pressure over there, you know. Look, you know, you hire Jimbo, you expect to see them doing – a little bit more than they've been doing. They hired Bobby Petrino in the offseason. They got a quarterback down. It's not a must-win game or anything like that, but conversation starts getting a little dicey if they get beat by the 2-5 and five Gamecocks this weekend, John. Um, it, from a confidence standpoint, this program's probably reeling a little bit. You know, it's it's been a couple of tough, week, uh, couple of tough weeks. Had to dismiss a young man from the program this week, so there's a, a lot that's been going on in that building, and they're – they're really searching. They got four straight home games coming. Boy, they'd love to jumpstart it this weekend. Uh, going into the game, kind of your final thoughts on how they'll approach this thing and what we might see. Well, I think we're going to throw everything we can throw at it. Uh, I can tell you that from a coaching perspective. Uh, I know this is one they want to win bad, uh, and they need to win it bad. Um, I, the way I see the game is uh, – I think there's some chances for our defense to make some plays on this offense. Um, the, the, you know, this is a, you know, and nothing against A&M on this, but they're just a middle of the road uh, kind of offense. So we need to come out and somehow find a way to get pressure on uh, their quarterback, Johnson. And if we can do that, uh, I think we can see some success on offense. I mean, defense, but as far as offense goes, I mean, this this D-line, I, I've watched a lot of Texas A&M games this year, you know, just because they played a lot of times we weren't playing. So I've had a chance to watch them. And, I mean, listen, it, it's going to be a tall task for the offensive line. And uh, I I hope they got some things squared away this, this past week and can learn off some of the mistakes last week. Um, I'd feel a whole lot better if uh, Lee was playing. Uh, but uh, – it's going to be a tall task for this offense against this defense. I mean, they, they got some dudes in the front seven. I mean, it's, it's probably as good as anybody in the country, uh, to be honest. So we're, we're going to have to find a way uh, to throw some wrinkles, uh, kind of get them off balance in some kind of way. Uh, and you're going to have to do it early because if you can't move the ball and get some points early in this game, I can see this one kind of getting away. I think you've echoed the comments of just about everybody out there. I, I hope we're all wrong about that. All right, John, you want to make some picks? You got 10 games. No, you don't. Yeah, you do. You got 10 games to get through here in uh, nine minutes. Uh, I'll, 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 send, I'll fire the warning shot to JC and Phil. No long ex- explanations here. He's got to get out at 2. He's got to be at a meeting at 2.15. So, we got to. We're good. It's, uh, I mean, I'm, you know. We'll be all right. They, they can wait on me a minute. <laughs> Bainbridge, Georgia native. JC, didn't you spend some time in Bainbridge or through there? I've been through Bainbridge before. Kirby Smart's from Bainbridge, Georgia. That, that, that Kirby Smart, the home of Kirby Smart. Yeah, Kirby uh, um, 
I won't say good friend just because I haven't talked to him in forever, but you know, he he we know each other pretty well, and uh, Kirby's a great guy. I hate that he's at Georgia, but uh, it is what it is. Yeah, uh, his dad his dad was our high school coach down in Bainbridge for a while, so. Uh, yeah, uh, Bainbridge, Fitzgerald, all those little small South Georgia towns—they put put out good football. It takes three hours to drive from town to town down there. It's kind of like Eastern North Carolina, but it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's good football. People, people, it, it, give me a kid from South Georgia over a kid from Gwinnett County any day. Uh, I, I'll tell you, I'll just say that. Yeah, a little, little plug, a little plug to my buddy uh, Damian Pierce, who played running back in Florida, which I probably remember a few years ago ran that long touchdown pass on us, our oh. touchdown run on us on, on the, the on the hold, the hold and the offsides. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, D- Damian's from Bainbridge, and he's having a heck of a year with the uh, had had a, had a heck of a year with the Texans last year, and he's playing really good this year for the Texans. Yeah, he sure is. Hey, that South Georgia heat it hits different. Anybody's yeah, it does. Nervous? never been there it will suck the life out of you before you get a chance to take a breath all right john uh, tomorrow at noon on fox six ranked oklahoma brent vittables they'll travel to lawrence kansas to take on the jayhawks they're only nine point favorites kansas is undefeated at home this year oklahoma feels like they've got a great path to the playoffs but these next two could be tricky next week is bedlam hopefully they're not looking ahead to that Upset in the making, or are you taking the Sooners? No, I think it's close uh, fourth quarter, and I think Oklahoma pulls away and covers by 10 uh, in that one. JC? I'm going with the Jayhawks. Oh. Upset. JC said he's got to make up some ground. Good Lord, after (laughs) – Right at this point, I'm just I'm just throwing things against the wall and hoping things stick. At this point, you know? <laughs> I'm like the black, the blackjack guy. Just hit me, hit me over and over again. Yeah. You know? no, I, I like Kansas. I like Kansas a lot this year, but yeah, I do too. I do too. Yeah. Not a, I like not Kansas. Win, though. No, you, you're uh-uh. taking, not you're no. Give me, give me Oklahoma. No, 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 no. Give me Oklahoma. Give me Oklahoma. What the hell is going on here? I've got Oklahoma winning as well, but it is close. Kansas is going to cover that nine, I think. Uh, John says that Oklahoma will cover it. All right, uh, tomorrow at 3.30 on ABC from DKR. That's in Austin, Texas. You've got the Texas Longhorns playing host to BYU. Anybody can answer this question. Anybody know what the record in this series is? No. I have no clue. Four to one, BYU. You know what? I think I saw this on a telecast uh, BYU game and something about uh, big teams that BYU have winning records over. And yeah, I remember seeing Texas as one of them. Yeah, four That's and crazy. one. They've won the last two as well. Matter of fact, the combined points scored in the last two matchups, BYU's outscored the Longhorns eighty-one to twenty-eight. Oh, but Texas is a twenty-point favorite in the game, and they are at home, and they are desperate really try and get some revenge on Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game. John, so who wins? Uh, I got Texas all day in this one, unfortunately, for BYU. Bill? Yeah, yeah, give me Texas as well. JC? I I mean, yeah, Longhorns. Yeah. I'm with all of you. I think Texas wins. I don't know if they cover, but I do think they win. Uh, Out West, this could be the game of the day. Eighth-ranked Oregon, 13th-ranked Utah. That's where 
college game day is this week. Uh, Oregon is a six-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Cam Rising is out for the rest of the year. But, John, you got to take Bo Nix in against that defense. Salt Lake, tough challenge. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, not many people have won uh, lately going into Utah. So, give me Utah. Phil? Oh, you know what? I like it, too. Defense. Go Utah. Go Utes. JC? Utah. I picked them earlier this week. Yeah, I did, Utah. too. I'm sticking with my guns. I think that uh, that Utah wins, but Oregon covers. Or, uh, no, Oregon's six and a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah, Utah wins. That's right. Yeah. I was about to say, yeah. wait a second. Utah wins outright. Uh, seven and one, Oregon. Bye-bye. No longer a chance to play for a national championship. All right, you've got Duke and Louisville, 20th-ranked Duke, 18th-ranked uh, Louisville at 3.30 tomorrow on ESPN. The Cardinals are five-and-a-half-point favorites at formerly known as Papa John Stadium. Uh, Duke coming in trying to improve to three-and-one, and an extra win will get them six. That means they'll be bowling in just eight games under Mike Elko this year. Could be the last time we see him coaching. But Louisville coming in off of a rather stunning 17-point debacle at Pittsburgh. John, who wins? Yeah, you know, I – I went back and forth on this one with our little former player uh, pick em pool we have uh, yesterday. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Louisville, uh, but Duke covers Louisville by three. Louisville, uh, JC concerned about Riley Leonard's health. Uh, gonna go with Louisville in this one. Uh huh. I am yeah, right there question. with you. Yep. Yeah. They, right may, they may not cover though. I mean, Duke's Phil? a good football team. Yeah, yeah. The Riley Leonard thing—that's the—that's the thing for me. Yeah, I'm with you. Phil. Yeah, same. Yeah, Louisville. I'm worried about Leonard. All right. Seven o'clock tomorrow. Seven thirty tomorrow night on NBC. You've got Wisconsin hosting Ohio State. Any chance at all that Wisconsin? who is a 14-and-a-half-point dog at home, could pull off a stunner against the third-ranked Buckeyes, John? Uh, no chance. Uh, I got I got Ohio State in this one. I just haven't seen enough out of Wisconsin that would tell me uh, they could go out and win this game versus uh, Ohio State. I thought they'd be better than they are this year. They're having a nice year, 5-2, and two, but um, I yeah. thought they'd be a little bit better. De- defense has been fine. They can't score, though, I don't think, enough points. Yeah. Phil? Phil? Yeah, uh, yeah, Buckeyes. Yeah, and JC. Ah, I'm going with, uh, Buckeyes win. Wisconsin covers. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind. I'm kind of thinking that. I, I think they got. How, how many weeks in a row can you get up if you're Ohio State? I don't know. That's my question. Yeah, I don't know. And look, something. I've got a hunch that something strange is going to happen this weekend in college football, and it could be this game but I'm not going to pick it. Uh, I just I don't have enough in me to be able to do that. All right, uh, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, this could be the strange thing that happens. 21st ranked on the road. Uh, Tennessee on the road at Kentucky. Boy, you know the Wildcats are itching to get into it uh, with the Vols, who are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Joe Milton on the road has been shaky. ESPN has it. John, who wins? Uh, you know, I think – Tennessee's defense actually wins this game, and I'm going Tennessee on the road at Kentucky. 
I like it. I like it. I'm not buying anything on the offensive side of uh, Kentucky. So, yeah, give me Tennessee. Uh, JC. Roll them with y'all. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Right? The defensive point John made is what I feel. Tennessee. I'm going to go with Kentucky. Uh, nope. I think that uh, Ray Davis has a big night at home, and I think that that's enough to take the balls out of it. For the sake of everybody, I hope this game doesn't get played. Because I don't like either one of you. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Uh, uh, tomorrow night at 8 o'clock, Georgia Tech is hosting North Carolina, and you're going, uh, what? I'll tell you, so what? The last two games have been won by the Yellow Jackets. And North Carolina just got beat at Virginia. Could it happen? What the? That was crazy. Again? They're 11 and a half point favorites. Could this happen to the Tar Heels again? I don't know. John? I don't think so. I think uh, I think, uh, I think think North Carolina went into that game against Virginia last week sleepwalking because Virginia's yeah. garbage. Uh, I know their record is about like ours, but they are literally hot garbage. Um, I think North Carolina uh, beats Georgia Tech on the road. Bill? Yeah, give me North Carolina. That that was a one-off last week. Uh, JC? I think Georgia Georgia Tech's going to cover the 11.5. The last two years, they've had these guys number. I mean, they always play North Carolina well. Probably as payback for... 1990, when a bad UNC team tied them and cost them an outright national title. Uh, but I think North Carolina will win in a, in a one of those games where you kind of just look up to heaven and go, thank you, God, we got out of that one. Uh, yeah. and, got a, and, and our season's not completely ruined yet. Uh, the last two home games, Georgia Tech's given up 38 points in each of them. The, their opponents, Bowling Green and Boston College. Oh, yeah. I think North Carolina puts up. 45 on, on, on Georgia Tech. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Uh, Clemson and NC State tomorrow is on the CW Network. I'll lead this pick off. It's on the CW Network. NC State wins. John? Uh, unfortunately, I have Clemson winning because NC State's hot garbage too, but uh, Clemson's not great either. So it'll be a snoozer. <laughs> of course yeah. it will be. It's- between reruns of the Gilmore Girls, yeah, you know. <laughs> Go ahead, Phil. Do you know the Gilmore Girls relaunched, right? Yeah. Did it really? Oh wow! Rolling Stone had a, I think so. Why am I writing this down? Phil, Based who, off uh, the popularity of ACC football, no. Anyway, no. Yeah, me, yeah, give me, uh, give me North Carolina State in my uh, divorce court upset of the week. All right. <laughs> and JC. The divorce court upset of the week. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm gonna. Go, I don't know how North Carolina State is gonna score. Uh, they're yeah. they're they got the old Virginia quarterback who used to be good, but as John said, hot garbage this year. I don't know how they're gonna score. Clemson will win like third. It'll be like a thirteen to six kind of deal. Yeah, yep. combined combined seven turnovers in this game too. Yeah, State's pretty good on defense. So. All right, Georgia, Florida, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. The dogs are fourteen and a half. Point favorites, mm, you know the Gators are ch- literally chomping at the bit. John, can they get it done? Oscar, I mean, uh, the whole Brock Bowers thing is an interesting situation. Keep in mind, if Georgia slips up and loses this game, 
the SEC, when their first rankings come out Tuesday night, John, there ain't an SEC team in there. So if you're an SEC fan, you better be pulling for the dogs. Yeah, um, I know Florida's probably feeling good. Um, obviously, we let them get away with one here two weeks ago. Um, but sorry, there's no way Florida's beating Georgia. I got Georgia winning by 21 to 24 points. Uh, this series, just I, don't get me wrong. Bowers is out. That's fine. Georgia's offense has found their rhythm the past few weeks, and uh, I just don't see any way um, Florida's beating Georgia. So I, I got Georgia by three touchdowns. Phil, I'm with John. I think they win big. Phil, do you do any research, or do you just listen to the experts around here? <laughs> I mean, would I be a fool to otherwise? I mean, there's only a, on a few occasions do I ever go against the grain. JC, I'm with John, too, by the way. I don't think this game's going to be that close. 34, 34 to 10, Georgia. Yeah, this, yeah. yeah. And finally, uh, Texas A&M hosting the Gamecocks tomorrow at noon. We've talked it to death this week. Phil, who you got? Uh, you know, I... I think we put up more than 20 points, which we have yet to do away from home this week. But I don't think we're going to be able to stop them from putting up more than what we do. So I've got the Aggies 31-24. I'll go next. I've got uh, Texas A&M winning as well. South Carolina has only scored 30 points or more once in this entire series. It was last year, and that's because Xavier Leggett took his shoe off and decided to run 100 yards for a touchdown. Uh, in College Station, they've never won, and they won't. Uh, A&M will win uh, by at least two touchdowns. JC? Yeah, I think like 31-14 Aggies. Okay. And finally, the guest of the hour, who will not be able to top Weasel in his helmet last week at uh, Palm Casual. But if you've got something else, go for it, John, your pick. Well, I guess I can go grab one of my old helmets out the uh, closet. But uh, <laughs> you have real ones. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, no, um, I mean, listen. We, if you're a realist, okay, and you've been watching this team all year, talking about South Carolina, we are just too beat up. We have too many guys out injured uh, to be able to win this game. Not saying that can't happen because we all know anything can happen, uh, but on. Fortunately, uh, the injuries keep uh, holding this team back, and uh, I got A&M winning by um, probably 31 to 17, maybe 31 20, something like that. Two and six would be the Gamecocks coming home with four opportunities to get to bowl season, and you got to win them all, and they're all winnable. Uh, they all are. They are. Yeah, I, I, I made a mistake. I said Brendan Armstrong was still the quarterback at NC State. I knew this. MJ Morris took over for him. So, uh, yeah, I still don't change my Clemson pick because MJ Morris is hot garbage as well. John, yeah. we know you got to run. Thank you, man. Great stuff. Look forward to seeing you probably next weekend or in the next couple of weekends yep. at least. Yep. And it was great to see you a couple of weeks ago as well. All right, guys. Well, I enjoyed being on. Uh, I try and get at least an hour of y'all in a day while I'm uh, uh, here at the house because luckily I work from home, so it works out for me. Good to see you, John. Thanks, Thanks, man. Y'all too. There you go. Appreciate it. John Strickland, the the pride of Bainbridge, Georgia. 
We are out of here. John Strickland lining up for us tomorrow. (laughs) So thanks to uh, John.